Hey everybody, welcome back to Smash and Grab Comics. I'm JP. This is Tyler. Oh, and we are here. Uh, we're not queer. Get used to it. So, if you've seen that yeah. South Park episode, that's throwback yeah. to that. Yeah. Funny. It is very we're here. funny. You guys we're gotta queer. watch it. Get used to it. Is it, was it in this season? This oh, no, season? that was, that was a while back when I, we did that one. I know, but. Early years, dude. I've watched it recently. Must have been on Netflix. Probably. Yeah, my kids watch it. But this show is a little queer. It's just a little weird. Yeah, it's queer in the, you know, just in, odd. In the odd sense. We, we like to do, you know, reviews in, of uh, indie books and horror books and see, just weird books. It's just fun. See, I, I would describe it to people as, like, it's comic books at its core. Like, yeah. kind of unknown stuff. Indeed. And But yet, a lot of comedy, a lot of just us goofing around. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Um, so... I wanted to talk about it because I just read the new Hellboy, but new Hellboy movie coming out. Hell yeah. Uh, put a photo up on our website, which is back up. Go check it out. It's at smashandgrabcomics.com. And yeah, we're going to be trying to post more news, more exclusives. Just yep. want to make it a one-stop shop for just anything pop, pop culture and fun yep. and what we like. You know, there may be some stuff about um, major comic stuff. Um, but here on the show, we're going to try and stray away from that. But Oh, that's fine. Just topical things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I got to tell you something. Uh-oh. So back to our uh, Jason, Big, uh, Jason Biggs obsession. Yeah, um, what is obsession. Jason Biggs doing? Yeah. Well, I couldn't find anything that he's been up to. I found something. But, okay, you can get to that in a second. Yeah. But on his Instagram, oh, shit. I sent him a message. Oh, fuck. Asking if he'd want to do a phone interview. <laughs> yeah. No response yet. <laughs> but that was just yesterday. <laughs> Nothing yet. But that was just yesterday. We'll let you know. No, I seriously did, John. I, I was just fun. like, I explained to him what the show was. I told him where to find it, where our yeah. website was. I said, you know, just in jest, we, we've we been uh, trying to decide on whether you were a good fit for the uh, um, Orange is the New Black. Um, give it a listen. And, uh, yeah, if you want to come on and defend the role, oh, we, would love, we would love it. I don't think he'll respond. I, I don't think he will either. And if he does, he's yeah. probably going to come on the show and be like, I listen to you guys' show and uh, fuck you. No. <laughs> and then just hey, hang up. Hey, if, if Jason Biggs told us to yeah. you know, fuck off, that would be awesome. Uh, I'd put that the on ratings my, would go through the roof. Uh, I'd put that on my MySpace page. That'd be the, that'd be the first thing. Um, so it's Saturday night. Uh, let's record. We're, we've got some comic books read. Yep. Um, oh, wait, my Jason Biggs news is oh, yeah. uh, IGN.com was, like, fan casting sure. uh, for the It sequel. Yeah, and, like, the, already. The, the kids at adult as adults. Yeah. You know, and they, uh, so the, um, they were fan casting it, and one of the one of the people they fan cast was Jason Biggs, and I was like. For which role? Uh, um, one of the kids, I think it was, like, Richie or something. Okay. As an adult. The one, Richie, the one that, that, no, 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 that talks all the time? No, it wasn't Richie. It was. Makes uh, the stupid jokes. God, who was it? Oh man, uh, that's all right. I think it was the kid with the glasses, though. I think yeah. it was him. Okay, Richie is the Jewish kid who who had the cast at one point. They that kid was uh, they they picked Aaron Paul. Oh, and I'm like, well, Aaron Paul looks nothing like that kid, no. so that would be not good. I'd pick Aaron Paul for maybe the lead kid role, uh, the kid who is sick in bed. Yeah, uh, they picked. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. And I was like, it's a good fit. I like Jake. Yeah, he would be good. And then uh, for the, um, for 
uh, Ben. Yeah. I think Fat Kid. Yeah. Um, they picked John Krasinski. And I was like, that's a good pick. John Krasinski. From that's The Office, the American version. Oh, are they gonna make him chubby? No, he did. He, gave, he lost. He lost, he lost the weight as he, he lost as weight. he got older. Yeah, he did. I think that would be a good fit. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for the bla- for you know Mike, the black guy or the black kid. Yeah. Uh, they picked uh, Jordan Peele from Key and Peele. Oh, really? Which that that's funny. Cool. This is all fan casting. It's not. I know. It's not true. I, I know. It, they picked good. They get picked good. Players. God, that's funny. You know who I would have picked uh, just because it's hilarious is. Um, Oh crap! I just lost his name, but he played the fat kid in Stand by Me, and then oh, yeah, in yeah, real yeah. life, um, and uh, in real life, and that's a Stephen King thing too. Yep. In real life, though, when he got older, he did lose the weight, and yeah, he did. He. Did. he uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, God, I can't think of his name, but anyway, um, in an interview, he said he lost the weight just by stopping candy bars and pop. Yep. It's um, a big thing. Yeah. So anyway, that's that. Um, Jason Biggs may or may not be on the show coming up. <laughs> I'm leaning towards not, but you never know. Oh, I'd become the biggest Jason Biggs fan if he did. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I'd love it. Um, hey, I wanted to talk about The Shadow. Yeah, bro. Because uh, a month ago, well, I don't know about that long. When it, it was probably close it, to a month ago. When issue one came out, um, it was not what we wanted it's for not a what Shadow I wanted, series. Bro. Oh. So we. Um, Kind of talked about, are you going to keep reading it? I don't know. I picked it up. Uh, I always go to issue two, because if issue one's a flop, issue two is a flop, I'm done. But if issue two brings it back, and this one for me did, I I might keep going for a while. All right, break it down for me, homie. What happens? Uh, It jumps back uh, a few months, and um, it actually shows the shadow right off the bat, uh, busting up a, uh, um, a... well, I'm not sure what he's busting up, but it starts this huge fire. Some seedy crime thing. Yeah, and it and it creates this huge fire that um, uh, the shadow is actually being burned. Engulfed. Um, yeah, he's his capes catches on fire. His gloves on fire from grabbing a coal out of the fire, um, and the place explodes. And then it jumps to um, a couple months later, where they're saying we have no no uh, no bodies have been found. We don't know. Oh, okay, like a press conference? Yeah. About yep. this huge fire? Yep, and so the president um, it looks remarkably like Donald Trump. Yeah, there's uh, been a lot of that in the books. And so that's comics funny. Recently. I loved it when they would have comics that looked like um, um, Barack Obama. Uh, Barry O. But they, never, they will never call them by name, just no. Mr. President. Um, um, so then... The building um, obviously blows up. No one finds him. And this nurse from the last um, issue, while she was dealing with the burn victim, she's kind of putting it together that he uh, may be the shadow. Um, And he doesn't remember this patient. And so she kind of had a little bit. This was a cheesy part. Mm -hmm. She says, well, I took a class in college about, um, you know, hypnotism to bring out oh, past tra- trauma and so she goes she's regressing the shadow yep <laughs> yep uh so let me i'm gonna read it she goes look re- recovery therapy recovered memory therapy isn't exactly standard protocol here it's barely even science i could just get in all kinds of trouble but i learned some techniques doing my thesis want to give it a try yeah let's give it a shot and uh so she does and it, this man jumps back into 
the uh, 1929 uh, during Prohibition, and he has a memory of breaking up a um, speakeasy and, um, yeah, basically helping a family out. And there's a baby that's um, involved here. And the woman tells him, I haven't even named the baby yet. Will you name him, please? And he said, you will call him Worthy. Worthy will be his name. And um, so he's having, this is about the time that he starts coming out of the regression back to the nurse. Sure. And, um, well, anyway, we jump to the end of the book. The There's nothing really interesting going on through m much of it. Um, but... <clears throat> They did find one of the victims in the burned um, building from the beginning of the book. Okay. By the end, they found one. And it says, The Shadow Returns, colon, victory, a victim named as millionaire William Worthy Delaney. Mm. And, um, yeah, so she puts it together because she heard the burned victim in the hospital saying, um, you know, that he named a kid Worthy during this bust in the 20s. So, gotcha. we'll, so we'll see. It may be the old man that I that was at the beginning of the story. Uh, I think that would be true. I mean, that would be a, a good uh, use of Shadow's powers because he knows what evil lurks in hearts of men. Yep. So he would know whether this baby was going to be evil prior to it even knowing if it was going to be anything. Yeah. So maybe that's why. Yeah, I mean, when he gets to this guy, um, this is at the beginning again, um, the old man says, you, you, you don't get it. Uh, you don't get to do this. Leave me alone. And he goes, this isn't your world anymore. And then uh, the shadow goes, I know. I know. I know. And then, uh, and then that was it. Then the whole building explodes. Um, so. But then again, we don't know if this guy's dead. That we have, no, wait, the article said there was a body. <laughs> yep. So, right. Well, so, fuck me. So there is a body that was found named William Worthy Delaney. All right. And there is a guy burn victim in the hospital that is having thoughts of the shadow in the 20s so i think we can rest assured the guy in the hospital is the shadow with amnesia kind of cheesy but either that or maybe he's william worthy and he's yep. gone crazy because the shadow blew him up in the house yeah so maybe there's that could be who it knows? Very well, could be the but... shadow knows. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to get the next issue so I know what's going on. Uh, it sounds better, but I'm still gonna not. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna wait for that Shadow Batman crossover. Okay, this is on the back cover. It shows the Shadow Batman crossover, and it shows issue number two. Issue what number one's not out yet, is it? No, because this is also saying November. So first one should out launch in October. Okay, and then we go November. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just weird that they would advertise issue number two. It is weird, but we'll get issue number one. I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, I just want to make sure I didn't miss it. Nah, that's that, that'd that be a book that is going to be easily ordered. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We always sell out of that stuff. That's always good stuff. Awesome. All right, man. Uh, I'm going to tell you about one of my books, homie. Yeah. Um, This week, I grabbed three books. Uh, a couple of them sold out almost instantaneously. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to start off with Sync from a uh, uh, a company called Comics Tribe. Comics with an X because, you know, X makes everything cooler. Yeah. I was uh, bummed because I got, you know, I was working that day. I, yeah. I, I've started my uh, student teaching. Um, and so I 
can't get over here till school's over. And I walk in. It couldn't have been later than 4.35 o'clock. Maybe. And you're like, oh, dude, you're too late. There was, we sold out of, and then you named the title. I'm like, God damn it, really? Yeah. I mean, the other one I've got is The Realm. That yep. sold out literally like 10 minutes after the store opened. And yep. then uh, Sync, there was only like two or three copies. So Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to start with Sync. Yep. Um, from Comics Tribe, this is Sync number one. Uh, this is a truly disturbing book. It looks like it from the cover. In a way that's like... I love it because it's got yeah. a creeper van at the bottom. <laughs> right? And, and you I are drive a creeper van. A creeper van. Uh, but yeah, the cover's got uh, about two-thirds of a clown's face on the top. Uh, and then, of course, the title in this giant kind of ink you know, sink with a shovel part of the K. And then a small blue van at the bottom. A really cool striking cover. If you saw it from across the room, it, it is just one of those that, like, boom, it's there. Yeah. So really good job on that. But uh, we start our book, and I really almost was like, I'm going to hate this book, like, right at the beginning. Because we start off, and we're at a party, and we're in Glasgow, and, like, this guy's talking about how it's cool to be Glas- Glasgonian, and how yeah. he drink- he's drinking, and, you know, they're having a good time. And then... Uh, page two, this book takes a complete U-turn, which I love. They all uh, are done partying. It's told from the perspective of this main character, Alan, I believe is his name. And then um, they're all leaving. They say bye. Uh, the girls that he's with, they get their taxi, and they're like, you sure you don't want to ride? And he's like, nah, I'll get the bus. And then um, he's kind of laughing to himself, and he's like, then there was one. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's a little drunk, and he's walking towards this bus. And the bus is just keeps moving. And he's like, oh, no, shit bus wait and then he's like let me on hey man let me on i got a ticket the bus stops here and then uh this bus driver doesn't even make eye contact with him he's just like full up full up we're and all just keep, full up keeps driving yeah keeps driving and then the disturbing part is alan turns around he's like shit the bus is gone and then in the background very movie-esque you know our character isn't looking at the bus but in the background the bus is rolling by and it's full of just dead bodies like full dead bodies so really really crazy yeah uh he gets on his he he turned around to look at his phone to call a taxi yeah so it's it's not out of the question that he would be you know not turning around or something like that the bus wouldn't let him on he's a little drunk okay so he's looking at his phone of course out of true horror movie fashion his phone's dead (laughs) dying and he's like well i guess i'm walking then so uh, um it's kind of funny though he kind of talks himself up you know uh, he's like, this is fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. You've uh, ridden the bus, you know, uh, the the route many times. You can walk it. And he's like, what's it take? Like 30 minutes on the bus? It'll take me like an hour, two hours to get home. So you start walking. And um, we're left with great panels of just creepy silence as he's walking. There's no one in the streets. It's blackout. And he's uh, even saying to himself, he's like, this place is a lot more creepy when uh, you're not on the bus. Yeah. And he passes this sign. um, And the sign even has bullet holes riddled through it. So there's a nice foreshadowing there. I I spent some time in New York City um, for a a convention. And I went to a show at some bar in Brooklyn. My hotel, though, was in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with where the boroughs are to each other. But yes. so it was quite a ways away, the club, from the bus stop. So I'm walking through Brooklyn, middle of the night. It got to, you know done like at 2 when bars closed. Yeah. And, yeah, those panels remind me of exactly that. Scary. Like 
yeah and then there's like two guys on the street like across the street and they start coming over to my side yeah you, you know nothing of... nothing happened or anything like that but it was like it seriously was you still second guess yourself and yeah the place i'm like at. i'm thinking like what am i doing why did i stay out so late <laughs> you know why didn't i call a cab at that time uber didn't exist um, right but anyway go yeah. on but yeah um moving forward here we're moving at the to the next page uh the panels keep coming they're dark and creepy uh, there's even a bum sitting on the corner with a sign that says "fuck your money." Like, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it is. So what's the so bum? You, so what's the bum want then? Exactly. I don't think he wants nothing. He's just I, there, dude. He's like, like, you know what? I'm a bum, and I don't need your money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we come to this great frame though, where he sees a fox just hanging out in the middle of the road. A fox and then, in the city? Yeah, that's really rare. It is weird, uh, but we are in Glasgow, so oh. uh, who knows what you know is. It's natural true. naturally you know available in the area you know yeah. we have raccoons everywhere but i know they have foxes we have close. raccoons in town but my mom lives on an acreage and you know it's it's not unheard of but we see a fox every once in a while yeah this is like scottish countryside they're right? very skittish yeah yes they are uh this one though is true fox skittish form he sees it and then somebody says hey kid and the, the, he turns around the fox darts away mm-hmm. uh if this is that bum that we're talking about he says hey kid He's like, if I were you, I'd keep walking faster. And then he, he starts running because that kind of creeps him out. And we're left with like a looming uh, panel of just a, a shovel head. So kind of like a shovel head. And, like you know, we see our character running. So a little foreshadowing there, too. And then um, our character comes up uh, on this guy who's like laying on the ground. Yeah. And uh, this guy's like, oh, hey, I'm just having a little, a little lie down here. And then he just like gets up in his face, and he seems like he's drunk, and he's like, "Oh man, I, I'm I'm out here, I'm fox hunting." <laughs> he's like, "What? Um, okay." And then he's just trying to enter, you know, trying to get away from this situation. And then uh, the guy's like, "We have a problem. We got a problem." And he's like, "No, um, if you're fox hunting, I saw a fox on the road, like, you know, just over there. <laughs> yeah, like over here." And the guy gets like instantly pissed. He's like, "Where?" Are you hiding from a fox for me, you dick? And he whips out a knife. <laughs> this is truly terrifying because he like yeah he, yeah he whips out a knife. Oh, and it's a big Bowie knife too. Yeah, and uh, the weird thing is is this guy's wearing a condom on his head. I didn't say that, but he is oh. literally wearing a condom on his head. Like, I, okay, I'm looking at it, and it just looked like a tight beanie. Kind it of does. Thing. Uh, the reason I know it's a condom is we'll see there in Come, just a second. Okay. Yeah, but he's got this knife, and he's just saying, "Have you ever seen a knife like this?" And he's just. He's inching it closer and closer, and there's this really great panel of the guy putting the knife on his skin and like how it's drawn. You can almost feel the pain, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just it's the way it's drawn. And he luckily bats the knife away, and he starts running, and he's just running, man, running, and he's running. And he's through this train yard, and he hears this little beep 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 like a text message sound, mm-hmm. and he turns around, and there's another guy wearing a condom on his head, and he's got this phone. And he shows him the phone that says fresh meat on it. And he's just freaked out. So he's running even further. Running, running, running. I took a drink when you were saying that. <laughs> I know, right? And so I'm like, what fresh meat? Yeah, and he's running. And then more guys with condoms come out of the come out of the darkness and are chasing him. And they're all just screaming at him like, witness! Almost like Mad Max style. Nice. And then uh, they chase him. They're uh, running through the streets. And they finally corner him in this dark alley, and all the lights in the alley come on all at once. So very movie-esque, just, you know, the thum of lights. You've seen that before in film. Uh-huh. Uh, 
whether they're and all these guys with condoms on their head are just hanging out laughing they've all got shivs and knives and there's a dude in a red suit who's uh just standing there pretty stoically and these uh dickheads is what they're called yeah. so they're 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 a gang we find out <laughs> dickheads yes we find out these guys are called the dickheads that's why they wear condoms on their heads uh, okay i've never tried but it, can you stretch a condom that big oh yeah you can get you can get a condom over pretty much anything. Oh, wow, they are very elastic. Wow, yeah. I mean, so I'd like to know how they rip when uh, people are using. That's them what I'm saying. Appropriately, right? yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, but um, the guy in the red suit, uh, he's clearly there as some sort of weird fetish businessman because, like, he's got a video camera, and he's just like, "Well, boys, you know." get at it just make sure you get it all caught on camera sure and these guys are all crazed ready to go and uh alan's telling him no no you don't have to do this and he's like yeah but we want to that's the thing you know so they're sick and sadistic and they're ready to kill him and make a snuff film uh this is where this comic gets utter badass uh the shovel appears again in one of the panels yep and then he's like you all think you have that boy backed in the corner yeah truth is I have you in a corner now. And it's this it's a guy. It's fox, fox man. Yeah, it's this guy. And he's dressed in a leather jacket. Uh, he's got uh, combat, combat boots, boots on. He's carrying a shovel. And he's got this really bright, crazy fox mask on. And then yeah. all hell breaks loose. And uh, these dickheads charge him. And uh, he's putting the shovel through their shins. He's <sighs> thwacking them through the head. He's stabbing them in the gut. He's doing judo jump kicks in their faces. One guy tries to punch him, and he blocks it with the shovel head, and the guy breaks his hand. He smashes his uh, fox mask, which I'm assuming would be made out of something special, into another guy's face and completely crushes it. Uh, is just it a, brutal is it a mask, or is it his real face? I think this is a mask. Yeah. yeah. Um, finally, one of the dickheads stabs him in the back with a knife, but... Long, uh, I love it how you say one of the dickheads. Yes. Is that the descriptor? That would be fine yeah. for us, but like... It's actually what they're called. That's what they're called. These are the dickheads. <laughs> and it's great. Um, uh, doesn't last long, though. He takes the knife or the, the shovel. Um, in the best way I can describe it, mm-hmm. uh, kind of does a shovel curb stomp. Because <laughs> he takes the end of the shovel, uh, the one, the place you hold, yeah, puts handle. it on the ground. The yeah. shovel head is in the air yep. and takes the guy's face and smashes, smashes it. it into the shovel's head. And. Uh, this is all in brilliant color. They do a oh, great yeah. job. I'm looking at the artwork, and I am just like, oh, it looks awesome. And you know what it looks like? It looks like a 90s-era um, Spider-Man comic where, um, oh, Spawn, what's his name? Uh, McFarlane. McFarlane was doing back then. Yeah. It looks like a McFarlane Spawn, or a Spider-Man comic. It does, yeah. The art is really reminiscent of that. But um, finally, I mean... The Fox Man is what we'll call him for now until I reveal his name here in a second. He's defeated and just utterly slaughtered all these dickheads, which is great. And then um, Alan is standing there the whole time watching all this chaos ensue. So he's just completely stunned. He's trying to kind of sit, thank this guy, but also just come to grips of what happened. So he's very shaky. He's like, uh, you saved my life, so thanks. Um, I, I don't know if you, you know, who are who, who you are. And he's like, yeah, I didn't do it for you. I did it for the scalps. And he starts popping off the condoms on the guy's heads. So he's taking the condoms as, as like trophies. Scalps. Yeah, as like trophies. <laughs> and he's putting them, like he's counting them and putting them in his pocket. It's great. Um, but he's like, who are you? He's like, you can call me Mr. Dig. 
So I, I love Dig. that name. And then he's uh, then he finally tells Alan, he's like, these boys here are the dickheads. Um, <laughs> and then uh, it turns out they were they were doing this to try and get a promotion from some big boss uh, who's named uh, McCurdy. See, I'm gonna, you know, I know you said uh, they're sold out, but um, I'm gonna try and find these online. Yeah, this yeah, is a sick comic. Cool. This is really cool. Um, so yeah, he talks about uh, these guys are doing this to appease some guy named McCurdy, mm-hmm. and then um, Alan starts to ask the question, "Well, who's that?" And then Mr. Dig stops and he's like, "It's best if you don't know." So uh, moving forward, though, Mr. Dig kind of just ushers him away, just God. kind of, you know, he's. Our hero, but not really. He's just out to kill tonight. He, in in these panels, he just looks insane. He is insane. Like he's not your friend. He just he did it because this is what he likes to do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Alan tries to reason with him. He's like, uh, you know, trying to make light of the situation and, and a joke. Yeah. And um, he's like, uh, what does he say? He's like, well, whatever your reasons, man. Thanks, Mister Dig. Uh, these animals would have killed me. People like us give us glass, glass. Uh. Glaswegians a bad name so he's trying to make a joke like of glass glass cow people yeah. so Glaswegians and like Mr. Dig stops what he's doing he's like what did you say he's like uh people like us give us Glaswegians and he's like us Glaswegians he's like where do you live mate and he's like Burnside and he's like oh nice area he's like well don't come back to this area you have no fucking idea like what goes on here you know like you're here for the week you think you live here and know what we do yeah. because you bust in on the weekends yeah so he basically shuts him the hell up, and then he's like, you get to walk in, take the main road, turn right, and walk. Don't even look back. Don't stop for anything. And he's like, there's worse things out there, worse things even than me. Worse than, worse than condom heads and uh, Fox and, Man. And, yeah, Mr. Dig. So uh, Alan takes off, takes his advice, and starts walking. Um, this is where our creepy blue van comes in, and... See, I have a creepy blue van, and this is what's hilarious about it. It's out in the parking lot right now. Yeah. So he's walking down the main road, and this creepy blue van drives by and then um, screeches to a halt, starts backing up, and just Alan is so terrified of what he just saw, he just can't look away from this blue van, and it comes closer and closer and closer. And then uh, the van opens up, and these crazed clown gang guys grab him, and throw them in the back of their van. They're all cackling, and they're all just, you know, completely, complete lunatics. This whole comic just sounds like it's a nightmare. That it is. That that it's so. And I don't true. know if that's going to be the ending of it. That he's actually dreaming, but it literally kind of feeds like a nightmare, like a like we have, where one scene jumps to the next, and yeah. you go from you're at so and so's house to the next minute you're being chased by the axe man, and yeah. But uh, they grab him, the, the door thooms closed, so he's inside with these probably five, six crazy clown guys. Um, in, in the creeper blue van. Uh, if you're squeamish, I would uh, maybe skip a minute or two ahead right now, because okay. what happens to this guy in the van is utterly disgusting and disturbing. Okay, okay you've been uh, warned, people? Yes, so right there, I will let you know. if You might want to skip ahead. And why don't you check so. back in at the 30-minute mark? We're at 27 right now. <laughs> All right, I'll use, the, I'll use the safe word, Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they grab him, though. They're all holding him down, again, just gleefully laughing. They take a razor blade, and they stick it in his mouth. And Oh, my God. Yeah, and he's trying to get it out, and, of course, it's just ripping his cheeks apart. And then they've got a nose, a honking nose with just nails in it. And they strap the nose on his face. And uh, again, they're all laughing, all just maniacal. It's super disgusting, very disturbing. And then they shove his face 
full of laughing gas. And then uh, as they do, and he's breathing it in, they're chanting, one of us now, one of us now, one of us now. And we're left with this complete decimated version of our main character, Alan, uh, with the nose with nails on it. His cheeks are completely gone. His face is now disfigured. This could Um, look like what the Joker looked like before his scars healed. Yeah, with the with the Glasgow smile, it's bad. And I mean, we're really left with this haunting visual of his face that is just brutalized, and him laughing now with the laughing gas. You know, you know, you know. It's funny. A real Glasgow smile is where they just cut the corners of your lips, and then it spreads, and then it tears. Yeah. Oh, yep. There's that actor from Sons Anarchy that happened to him, like in real life, and they he. It's kind of how he got most of his jobs because of that unique look. And yeah, it's a big scar in his face. Yeah. Um. But really haunting, you know, um, a few a few more panels left. Uh, the van drives off into the darkness. The ha-ha-has are, ca- you know, trailing off in the distance. Uh, the next frame is the dickheads have moved on to their next victim. And the next frame is that big bus full of dead people driving this, you know, the streets. And then back to the sign of Glasgow. And yep. then the small text in the frame that ends the book is, Welcome to Glasgow. And that's the end of our book here. So he's still in the van? Yeah, he's still in the van with the uh, with the clowns. He's not one of them. Okay. So this book will really not have a main character. Um, actually, sorry, I skipped a part because um, I didn't turn the page. But that sign, of course, and then welcome to Glasgow, and then we're back to Mister Dig, who's standing over all the dickheads, and he's saying it over and over again: "Welcome to Glasgow. Welcome to Glasgow. Welcome to Glasgow." Sink. That's the end. Wow. That's issue one. It's really so interesting because none of it fits together. I mean, like, well, and I read some of the uh, the outro or kind of the uh, the end. Uh, the the writer is telling about um, where he got some of these ideas. Sure. And he says he's a huge David Lynch fan. Okay, so there's that, that. there's your cue into yep. why this is so crazy. Yeah. Because uh, he, I mean, you can see there's talk of Mulholland Drive and Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks. And he really wanted Sync to generate that feeling of there's just not something right about this book at all. Well, yeah, it's just like this guy walking and every little bit uh, another crazy thing happens. Mm -hmm. It's almost like being at a twisted circus where every attraction is the clowns in the blue. Yeah, the clowns in the blue van. There's even an excerpt right here that tells that this was actually a longstanding Scottish urban legend of of uh, a blue van driving around. And when you got close enough, it was. Uh, you saw that it was like dri- being driven by crazy clowns, and then the, there is an actual uh, Glasgow Guardian newspaper clipping picture that says "Killer Clowns, uh, Killer Clown Scare" was the headline. So this book is based in some urban legend reality. Yeah, uh, I think it's just kind of more of a the things that the writer may have grown up with as a kid, as like urban legends and horror stories and scary stuff around. Yeah, Scot- you know Scotland. Um, when I find the photo, I have it on my phone. I was in the mall parking lot here in Sioux Falls and um, looked to the side of me and there was a guy in his car, complete clown, makeup, uh, wig, everything, you know, suit. And he was just sitting there. Um, I don't know. It looked like he was waiting for someone um, or if he was going to a gig or a birthday party. I don't know, but I snapped a photo <laughs> of it. Um, so as soon as I find that, I'll put it up on our site. Oh, God. Uh so I mean I've I've had a real life sighting of a clown, clown in, a car, in a car. Yeah, and you know it did, he didn't give me the impression he was there for anything ill intended. Yeah, it was just 
He was just like weird, almost like he was waiting for his wife to come out of the mall, kind of thing. Strange. Yeah, it. I, I was doing that. I was waiting for my wife to come out, and I was just like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, and <laughs> a timely book. You know, we just have uh, Stephen King's It release in theaters, and it yep. was fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm gonna see it tomorrow. Um, another thing from this book here is uh, the writer had a really great excerpt. If you do pick up this book, I I do recommend reading everything he's written in the back of it. Um, uh, one thing he says right at the end of his um, kind of afterward is, uh, needless to say, you've not seen the last of the blue van. So that's already super scary. I I love reading um, writer's notes at the end mm-hmm. of what they have to say about their work. I generally don't read them because sometimes I'm just like, whatever, man, I read your book. I'm yep. like, I get it. But this was so intriguing and so, I guess I haven't been shocked by a book in a long time. And this book shocked me. Did like, it? Yeah, like because when I was reading that that whole clown scene, was really gutturally scary. Like it was just like you can imagine being in that situation. Yeah. And then I mean now he's gassed up and like yeah. now he's basically just one of their gang and has no other choice. Like it's just nuts. Yeah, we were sitting here reading comics together. I was I guess I was too engrossed in mine to uh, realize that yours was creeping you out. That's because I was over here and I was just like, oh my god, what the hell. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they've got uh, just a little bit of a preview for the next issue. Uh, I won't really wreck anything there. There's not really much to say. It's just a couple yeah. art panels, nothing too big. But it looks like we're going to continue to have more um, just kind of misadventures or mini tales in this Glasgow, you know, horror sure. hell. I, I am so intrigued. Um, it kind of reminds me a I gotta little. i got to get on my site and, that I order comics from when I can't find them in the store. Yeah. And it reminds me a little bit of the Warriors just with the named gangs. Yeah. And then also um, the world, there's a very big Clockwork Orange feel to this. Yes. Just because of there's no police presence and the violence in this book is very just yep. visceral and real. Yep. Yes, it's a comic book, but the things that are happening in this comic book, there's nothing comic book about the violence in here. This is all, you know what I mean? Like, yes. these are things that people, that could happen. That could happen. Person. I mean, it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. So, really, really cool. I'm a bit, uh, Clockwork Orange is one of my favorite books and also my favorite movie. So, mm-hmm. um, this really evoked that feeling of that ultra violence. So, um, get this, man. This is awesome. Um, I love it on the back cover. Get in the it's van. Got, it, it just has a blue van and it says, get in the van. Yeah, this uh, sync comic was really good. Super disturbing. Who wrote it? Uh, the writer was John Lees. Okay. Uh, art and colors by Alex Cormick. Letters by Colin Bell. The logo was done by Tim Daniel, and I really like the, long, the logo. Is logo is cool. Yep. Uh, John Lees, I've never heard about. I think but, he's new. But, man, as an up-and-comer, up that was a good... Just looking at or, it and you describing as it. A debu- as a debut issue, this was... I mean far and above what you uh, what i was expecting yeah you know? especially after the first page when you were like oh great a clubbing yeah book. i yeah i was i was like you know right at that opening i was like i'm gonna hate this and then no nope. J- just turned out that's where he was just leaving from yep man man that was astoundingly good so get it it's called sync it's from comics tribe uh issue number one have you ever heard of comics tribe before no this is a, a premiere book for them i've never heard of comics tribe so very small publisher. This might be one that might be hard to get a hold of. Small right. print runs. Uh, I'm guessing if I if I had to guess, probably say the print one print run on this book would be less than seven thousand. Right. Probably around that. You're you're much more uh, involved in the comic world. You know, I'm just a consumer. So yeah. yeah, I mean, if you think it's a small run, it might be kind of difficult to find it. 
Yeah, I'd say there's probably 7,000, you know. I'd be surprised if there's close to 10 or more than 10,000 of these. Cause really? I've just never heard of Comics Tribe. No. And never seen a book published by them. Uh, not to say they haven't published books before. They probably have. Yep. But uh, this is definitely uh, one that will slip through the cracks, and uh, people will be surprised by this book. Get it. Get it. Um, so I read Baby Teeth. I know you're reading it, too. Yeah. Uh, you just hadn't got to it That's all right. Yet. Talk about it. Okay, so you might be spoiled. No, that's okay. Hey, did Donny Cates, the uh-huh. writer, did he also used to write Pestilence? Or am I... No, I don't think so. Okay. Because I'm like... I think we're thinking of, you're thinking of Colin Bunn. Okay. Maybe. Okay, Donny Cates, uh, obviously Baby Teeth, one of his great books. Yes. This book, okay, so the sister found... Just take it back a little bit. The sister found the baby daddy um, in the boat, right? Yeah. Um, and trying to decide what to do with him. Well... In the meantime, uh, the daughter, the mom of the baby, uh, was kind of putting blood aside for the baby uh, in case she wasn't around. She's she's still doing her little journal, and she's uh, got headphones on, so she doesn't see her dad come in while she's... Um, is he like a pilot? Yes. Must be. Yes, he is. Um, and then, um, so she just, when he says, what the hell are you doing, you know, while she's putting... Um, siphoning blood off her arm into yeah. these baby bottles. And <clears throat> she tells him the whole truth, and he wants to take her to the psych ward. Oh, I'll bet. <laughs> yep. and, I would too. Uh, yeah, and while while this is happening, she uh, faints from blood loss. Mm-hmm. And um, so dad immediately starts calling the sister. And the sister isn't picking up because that's the scene at the end of the last issue where she finds the dead body, uh, or in this issue we find out he's not dead yet. Oh, he's still alive? Yeah. Even with all that shit uh, going on? Well, no. I guess I misread it. He's he's dead. But the dad's calling, and I don't know if you remember, but in the last issue she hit ignore yes. on the phone because it said dad. Yeah. Well, he's calling her because the other girl just passed out, and she just told him this crazy story and said that the sister is in on it too. Oh, shit. Anyway. So she doesn't pick up her phone because she's dealing with the guy that's been, um, either uh, he's either he, been cut into or something's come out of him. Uh, according to this, um, she says, "Fuck, dude, who did this to you? Jesus, where is all your blood?" So I think that uh, somebody cut into him and then sucked everything out. I got you. Um, so anyway, while she's on the boat, she's attacked by this. Um, mystery human looking thing but it's also got like a pink black skin or uniform can't tell and she's thrown over the boat with him and the phone sinks to the bottom oh shit yep on the way the ambulance is on its way to um dad's house on the way there this girl that's been stalking the baby Mm -hmm. shows up shoots out the um ambulance and then attacks the house our hitman yep the hitman and um hit woman if you will yeah she's so cocky and everything like that and she says oh you know something like you can't um take me out because the dad said you leave now oh and and then uh she said you can't do anything about it she says look man i saw you walk in with your little pilot's outfit on so i get that you think you're a badass because you used to be in the air force or whatever but you need to get and then he totally takes her out and um takes her gun away you know smacks her to the ground and then said Marine Corps, actually. <laughs> I mean, and then stomps her. 
Just a uh, good dad moment. The yeah. dad in this comic is really great. Yeah. Um, so he's starting to believe what's going on because the daughter already told him there's someone after her. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, he's just starting to get it. So while the dad is in a fight with this um, hit woman, our main character and the Antichrist baby uh, run out of the house. And that is it. She hears, she hears machine gun fire as she runs down the road. So we don't know what's happening at the house. So the dad could be dead. Who yeah, knows? she... There is a Yarg, <laughs> classic comic book fashion. Yarg. I think though. I think, I think though. That oh, that's oh, that's the, the baby, baby okay. wailing. Gotcha, wham, gotcha. You know, I no, but I think though that the dad, uh, is winning. I from the, these panels, I would say the dad's got the upper hand, but you never know. Yeah, you never know in comics. Uh, yeah. So just a good, especially if you look at the cover for issue five. It is our hit woman for sure. And the dad is still standing there. Yeah. But the hit woman is kind of um, backlit and, uh, yeah. Silhouette. Everybody's still alive, it looks like. Yeah, this comic is such a nail-biter, and that's why I think this book is successful. Right. Just because it never tells you too much, but it always wants it, it always makes you want to read the next issue. Yeah, so. it tells you a little bit. Like, I'm still confused on, okay, how is this baby the Antichrist that they've been waiting for? Um, I don't think we'll get there for a long time, which I'm okay with. Cause yeah, sure, This sure. adventure down the rabbit hole on this one is awesome. And like, yeah, Baby Teeth is just a good comic. And if so, like, why her? Why this baby? Why that dad that got, you know, the baby daddy was annihilated? Right. I, there's more pieces to this puzzle, man. I know. It's so weird. Square hole, round pig. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should we do Pestilence or Realm? Um, We can talk about Pestilence. Let's okay. talk about Pestilence. Another one that we've both been reading. and uh, I just haven't caught up to it yet. Haven't got this one done yet, but I just read it today. Was it good? Loved it. Good. Okay, so... Issue three was kind of getting a little... For, for me, like, I'm not saying it was getting stale, but I think they need they need to do a little bit more of the story to keep me roped. Okay. So... It, it moved forward in this one, so... Good. Okay, good so... Good to know. You know, there was a young um, knight with this group... Fiat Lu, Fiat Lux, how yeah. we pronounce it. Um, Abel of Cyprus. Uh, yes. We find out that uh, Abel is actually a girl. I knew it! Yeah. I so, fucking knew it! Because she's wearing chainmail and a helmet, really hiding her features so you can only see the face. I knew that from, like, issue number one. So, and that's how the story opens. Um, the captain of the uh, Fiat Lux um, sees her, and he agrees that she could be in his... Uh, assassin oh so he group. knew about it then yeah okay so yep. he hired her he hired her full well knowing that she was a girl but knowing that she could be a good part of yep Fiat Loch. she's the only he's the only one that knows no one else in the group knows Fuck, i knew and, and so <laughs> you're not in the group i know but i mean comic looking at the comics features and stuff i was yep. like her she's very soft-skinned um yep. guy, female she looks like a little boy yeah, and female characters tend to have rounder faces, whereas male characters have, have tend to have more square. square, usually round or triangle. So if you kind of see that, but yeah, I mean, I put two and two together on that. So see, I never even thought about it. Happy to know that I'm. I just looked at that dot. character going, man, they're not giving that character a lot to say. That's because she, she's a cool. woman, and she had. Uh, but it turns out she was just being quiet. At least it's not the other way. Yeah, it's a man, baby. Okay, so <laughs> preview. <laughs> That's not my bag. Baby. That's not my bag, baby. No, that's <laughs> not mine. <laughs> uh, 
So in the previous issue, the Cardinals were not letting the group get to the Pope, who they've been sent to rescue. Yes. Um, so in this issue, they, they're going to force their way through um, this church to get to the Pope. And the Pope emerges on his own. He comes out. And they find Looking out. like Dracula. They, they find out he's been bit. Oh, shit. And not so, the Pope. Yeah, he was a bit earlier in that same day, and they've been working now from, I don't know, some kind of alchemist is working on him to try and stop the um, process, the transformation. Well, you kind of, he kind of looks like one-third turned. It's it's happening. His skin is loose. I mean, he's losing his skin. It's just falling off in chunks from his nose, from his cheeks. But he's still, um, he's still got his wits about him. He's, he's not. He's still popey. Yeah, he's he, he's the he's popish. I'm not Catholic, so I don't really Me neither. I don't really know what they can do. Uh, well, but anyway, the Pope doesn't really have any superpowers. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan had a joke he's saying, Pope. "Jim Gaffigan had a joke uh, that was like, it said, uh, you know, the Pope is kind of like the Catholic superhero. Yeah. I mean, he has a cape, uh, he has a cool car. I mean, they even call it the Pope Mobile. <laughs> Pope Mobile." cool hat um, he does have a cool hat i want that hat uh anyway so the um the zombies are coming in and someone suggests going through the abandoned tunnels that used, that's always that used idea. that used to be used by the knights templar and um it, it's a steep staircase down into the dark so dark that their candles um only la you know only show a few inches in front of their face they say good lord and then they eventually get blown out uh, by something and the zombies followed them into the staircase and they say just keep swinging just, just swing dude. swing at anything uh they they find the door and they get out outside and um <clears throat> and then that's where it ends they they just said they got to get the pope back um did the pope get taken no um, oh, they got to no, get the Pope back to... Back to uh, where... Who sent them? The Vatican sent them. Yeah, so they got to bring him back to the Vatican. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, another thing that we talked about that you hate, and I hate it now, too, after this issue, they did it again with the floating head that's talking. Yeah, what the... Because here's, here's the captain, right? Yeah. And then they could have had this word bubble. I know you guys Over can't there. see this. Uh, I'll try and put it on the website. But So they could have had this word bubble over here instead of having a f another panel that was just a head yeah composition man what the hell it was it's just weird it is weird and i think that's also kind of what bugs me about this book is i really do like pestilence as a book mm -hmm. um my problem is it's so short like it really feels like when you get like a little bit of story yeah it's just and over. it's over like yeah. baby teeth does it in a way that leaves you on a cliffhanger and like actually gives you good chunks of story yeah i don't think this book does a good job of giving you chunks of story mm -hmm. as more just scraps like there's so few scraps to this book in terms of story uh -huh. but i think it also might be the artist um uh, not the artist not is not bad uh on the flip side of that the artist is fantastic um oh yeah oleg ukonev but i think that his art might take quite a while because he's really detailed yeah. he's drawing a lot of characters and I he's like drawing the a art. lot no yeah yeah and that's what i'm saying yeah. it's beautiful and gorgeous but i think maybe at the speed that he can create mm -hmm. these panels mm -hmm. and these huge pages and all these characters and details i don't think um they want to overload him for each issue so yeah. i think that might be the problem maybe 
in in why they're only telling such little scraps of story just mm. because of maybe the speed that he can produce work in. But that's just a theory. Yeah. But he is brilliant. Great Fra- great work. Um Frank Thierry uh, is writing and I I'm going to keep reading it. Um I'm, I'm I on board. Too. I'm it's, on board. No, me too. And I, I I I'm not saying I'm off. It's just I wish it was thicker. Yeah. I don't uh, they're advancing slowly for sure yeah. the story. But um, uh well we've been kind of spoiled with comics like sacred creatures where they have tons of content right and i just i'm you know this isn't an uh it's probably a six issue miniseries if i had to guess but well this is issue four yeah Uh, and they haven't got too far right if if they wrap up at six i'd be pissed (laughs) maybe 10 i don't know it's um, i think they could go for 20 they could make this an ongoing for sure but uh what do they do without copying walking dead then you know yeah yeah, I mean, zombie stories are tough to make ongoing. Robert Kirkman has found a way to do it because he made it about the characters, not the zombies. Right, so. because you don't even with Walking Dead, the how it happened or how everyone disappeared. He's Who never cares? even brought that up. Who cares? They just yeah. they just exist in this world. Yeah, I mean, so. at the beginning, um, we'll probably never find out in Walking Dead how it started. How, no, I mean, um, he uh, at this point Rick, we don't Rick, care. Rick just literally woke up in a hospital. Yeah. And and everyone was dead. At this point, we just don't care. We, we're so invested in the characters and their stories that it right. doesn't matter. So. Yeah, exactly. So I did read that issue of Walking Dead that you... Uh, yeah. I bought it, and uh, I'm, I'm going to start reading Walking Dead in issues. You should. Um, starting you should. from that point, because that was a good jump-on point. Yep. And um, I was in, engaged the whole time. I, you know, I haven't been reading it. I'm not. I'm only at like issue ninety-seven in the trade paperback. So sure, this I'm, is a big jump. Yeah, and so it's a big jump in story. So I, obviously, uh, without you telling me, I wouldn't have known the groups are the group is split up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I dug it. I can't wait for the next one. So. I know. Yeah, a great time to be a Walking Dead fan. Uh, TV show is think it's going to come back on, isn't it? Or do we got to wait? Um, I thought season eight started here pretty soon. Season like in October eight will be starting. Yeah, because they're on uh, Netflix. It's one through seven. Yeah, season eight should be starting. My here wife soon. and I just talked about because we just finished. Uh, we are just finishing Orange Is the New Black, and um, so we're looking for something else to watch. I said, you know, I watched the first two seasons of uh, Walking Dead. Should we just make our way through them? She hasn't seen any of them. Yeah. So I think that's what we're gonna do. Check that out. Uh, there's a bunch of good stuff on Nef- on Netflix. I'll have to give you a list of stuff that I've watched. That's mm. really good. Yeah. Um, let's move on to another comic, though. Let's uh, let's talk about Realm. Yeah. The Realm is one that Tyler missed out on. Um, wasn't his fault, though. This book literally sold out in minutes after right. the store opened. So. Well, for me, I don't really know um, about the titles or anything going on until I get to the store. Yeah. And then when I get to the store, I'm looking at the uh, new release wall. And sometimes you recommend stuff, and sometimes I'm just grabbing. Yeah. And um, so when this one wasn't even there, I didn't even know about it until yep. you said, uh, you missed out, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was one, uh, generally I do my research on Sunday nights. I've got a couple channels that I follow and, and websites that I go to, um, YouTube channels that'll kind of do what's interesting that week or variant covers that week. So you want to um, share that info or you – is that oh, no, just I'll, for you only? No, no, no. I'll give it to you. Yeah. I don't know if they'll want like I don't know if they'll want to be plugged on this show, so I'd probably ah, want to get sure. I'd probably want to get their permission before I start dropping their names on here. And then we were talking about, you know, I don't know, if we start talking about I, Nazis or some shit. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to be affiliated. Right. 
So since they are established YouTube channels and we're a fledgling podcast that's starting to get off, you know, on the onto the map, I don't want to. Eleventh episode. Eleventh episode right now. Yeah. Um, sick. I just, you know, uh, we are not interested in talking about Nazis, John. Just no, no, it out no. There. I just don't, I, yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't want to mention their name, and then I don't want an angry email from the guys who run that channel. Be like, hey man, don't talk about us. Like because you know, yeah, we don't want to be affiliated with. Yeah, this thing. Right, yeah. exactly. But I will let you know after the show, and maybe if I talk to them and they say, "Yeah, man, talk about send us," them, I'll be like, "Send them an sweet. email. Maybe they'll return um, the uh, correspondence faster than Jason Biggs." Yeah, Jason Biggs. Fuck you. I mean, I love you. Come on yeah. our show. <laughs> That'd be funny if God, he. This so is great. If this is the episode he listens to, oh, God. and you just said "fuck you." God. That would be awesome. If you listen to the episode prior, we ripped into him, man. I know. That's the thing. I told him that in my message to him. <laughs> because I didn't. I'm like, hey, we gave you a hard time about Orange is the New Black, but we'd it's love for you to fun. come on the show and, and you know, have some fun with us. It's all in good fun. I, I can't mean, wait for American Pie 7. All he did. When you rent it, when you need your rent paid, it's from it's from the pies perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome! God, here it comes. It's dark and it's light. It's dark and it's light. It's dark and it's light. The end. All right. The realm issue number one. Of course, uh, another image comic, an image title. Uh, image though, we've talked about it before. You've heard it. You've heard the spiel. They're killing it in the game on on uh, comics. But um, this book starts off really well. Uh, it's a book that uh, flies very fast, but is told in uh, good uh, good pace at a good pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also um, like to point out the art in here is really fantastic, uh, very akin to Sacred Creatures art, where it's more of a realistic take than a comic book looking take. Mm-hmm. But uh, right from the beginning, we're open. Uh, our opening shot in the comic is a man walking along with a horse behind him a girl is riding the horse he takes out his binoculars he said something's heading this way he's like we best take cover and let it pass over don't give the reason a reason to pay attention double back on us mm-hmm. so they're hiding and then uh, he says whatever you do just don't look up that'll help and she's like what are you talking about and he's like shh and then all we're left with is just a scree you know the you know the, just like this screech so there's yeah. a sound you know a scree and the and this big shadow flies over so we don't really know what it is, but uh, his face looks shocked. Her face looks shocked. Her hand even goes up to her mouth just to cover herself like, oh, my gosh. So he's like, all right, let's ready to move. We're moving out. He's got his gun pointed to the sky. Uh, he's kind of chatting with her along the way. And he's like, you know, um, we're almost a day behind schedule. We got to get moving. Uh, I hope there's going to be some extra pay in it for me mm-hmm. um, from your father. And she goes, he's not my father. He's like, all the same, time is money, and we're wasting enough, enough of it already. Uh, they come to a shopping mall that's kind of been converted into this kingdom. Uh, there's all these barricades. There's people manning the walls. Uh, there's a uh, pseudo-inscribed symbol on a giant tarp that's hung over this. Uh, it starts with an S and ends with an O, so it's definitely like an old Shopco store. Yeah, so, but the, the um, logo looks kind of like a crown. Yep. But it's also uh, got a little kind swiggle of swirl-looking thing. Yeah. yeah, a crown with a whirlpool in it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys from the wall, though, see him approaching. They say, hey, the king expected you yesterday, Nolan. Uh, 
I love this character. He's great. He's like things got complicated. Uh, if, the th- if the king thinks he's he 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 could have done better, then maybe he should have done it himself. He's like, now fuck off and let me through. So wow, <laughs> this guy's a no nonsense person. He just wants to get paid. Like he's yeah. uh, if you've ever read The Witcher or played The Witcher video games, he reminds me of The Witcher. He he has no real allegiance to anybody. Right. The only allegiance is to himself and his purse. So, you know, getting paid. Yeah. You know? Uh, so the doors open up, he comes walking in, they come walking into this big cargo room, and it's funny, it's just a, it's a makeshift throne room with, the, the, the king is sitting on pallets rather than a throne, you know, they're in a shop co, you know, right. uh, and it's lined with forklifts, and just, it's, it's a makeshift throne room, you know, for a, for a king who's a king in like a post-apocalyptic sure. world. Um, they banter though, he, you know. Uh, the king says, Nolan, I was starting to get worried. You're you're a day late. And he's like, Jesus, I'm not even a full day off schedule, and I got the girl as promised. Uh, you got my money. I'll, um, I'll, if you got my money, I'll be gladly on my way. And he's like, straight to business. I like it. hope the job didn't prove too difficult. He's like, it wasn't easy, but your intel sucked. You know? He's like, first <laughs> Bad off, info, bud. Well, yeah. And for, he's like, first off, this isn't your daughter. And second off, you were way off on how many captors she had. So he had to fight to get her. Um Turns out, though, uh, there's a little bit of a standoff here because the king has kind of uh, double-crossed Nolan. Not double-crossed him, but gave him information that was completely incorrect. This is not his daughter. Um, so he's kind of at a ready, and the king says, Well, to tell you the truth, she's not my daughter, but the skin trade here is very, is very good. I traded her for a, a batch of pharmaceuticals that turned out to be expired. So if you don't get your product back and be ruthless, you can't be king for too long. So uh, it turns out she's pretty much just a sex a sex slave trade. Yeah, that sucks. Um, yeah, but because um, I mean, right now in the United States, anyway, I mean our, the sex trade uh, underground uh, industry is getting bigger. Also, a huge, huge problem even in South Dakota. Like, I know uh, they because there's not a whole lot of. I mean, it's just straight highways where they just you know hurt people. Um, yeah, scary stuff. Yeah. Um, but in this comic, uh, the king, of course. They're doing that banter thing just back and forth of, you know, you double-crossed me, I double-crossed you. Right. But uh, the king just says, if you prefer to do it the hard way with, with bloodshed, we can do that if you like. And then uh, he tells his goons to get him. Uh, they all charge him. He starts kicking their asses, of course. Uh, this is where we know our character's just a little bit more than human. Uh, there's a machete swinging towards him, and he turns around and literally catches it in his hand. Right. Uh, his hand has a glove on it, but it makes a distinct shink noise. So he... He's got something, some type of power we don't know about. So he catches it with a gloved hand, which a normal person wouldn't be able to do. Maybe um, there's chainmail under that glove. Maybe. But we'll more on that in a second. Uh, he starts kicking their asses, though. He's stabbing them. He's killing them. Uh, the king's shouting and screaming. And then finally, as he's kind of dispatched his goons, the king whips his pistol out, which is one of those great 19, like, 40s 1950s style lugers which yeah. i love they look great they've got the uh, box fed magazine yep uh, and he's like enough give me a reason to kill you and uh right now and he's like the girl isn't your daughter uh you know this was an outright lie on top of all your shitty intel and then um he's got the gun pointed at him he's pretty much got him dead to rights yeah and then all of a sudden next panel is the girl stabs him from behind so our damsel in distress is no longer a damsel in distress she just guts him she took out the the king the right? king okay yep. that's your point. stabbed him love it king's laying dead on the ground he's like i'll be honest i was scared there for a minute thought maybe you'd get uh get cold feet when it came down to actually icing the prick she uh grabs 
his helmet, the king's helmet, puts it on her head. Nice. Sits down on the on, on the throne. Yeah, sits down on the uh, uh, the pallet throne, and then she says, "Fuck him. He's a pig, and I'm glad he's dead. He won't be missed by any anyone around here, especially me." And he's like, "Well, good luck, Sasha. I think you'll probably need it." He's like, "You too. Uh, we're square now. Next uh, next time you come through, you pay the toll, just like everybody else." Oh. And I love this last line. He's like, "I take it back. You'll be just fine." So, <laughs> wow. so he was. He was wishing her luck because he didn't know if the girl had the bravado you sure. know, to be a queen in this little kingdom. And then she gets right to business, and he's like, you're going to be fine. Yeah, so. <laughs> but still, this guy who you know, busted his ass to rescue yeah. her, and she's a snot like that. I, I know. I thought that was kind of... But that's that's the tone this book sets up is this cutthroat world, which I really love. Yeah. Um, but our hero makes his way off. He's, you know, done. Uh, this next panel, which is really cool, is uh, just art, but it's great. It's desolate buildings. It's long. It's definitely um, Chicago, though. Yeah, it's desolate buildings. It's broken down places. It's um, just shots of buildings that are derelict. But then we have a, a, a look into the sky, yep. and there's almost like this cityscape in yeah. the sky yeah, with a that. giant hole or some type of glowing orb in the middle it's of it. It's weird. It's almost like a reflection. It is strange, but it's... It, kind of lets you know what we're in you know we're in this yep. fantasy world that exists in our world yeah and then you can also see little dragons and drakes flying in the in the distance That's now they're awesome. not detailed at all but if you look close they're huge yep. in scale compared to everything else um just from the l train stuff and then yep. this theater sign starts with ch and then i'm guessing the rest is chicago absolutely yeah so we're definitely in chicago um we've come to looks like a historic building maybe where you would have um a government office or a library Mm-hmm. And uh, our main character, I think his last name is Nolan, uh, but his first name is, he says it here in a second, if I could find it. I think it was Will. Yeah, Will. So Will Nolan. Um, but he's talking to this black guy who's sitting at a desk, and sure. he's like, we expected you yesterday. If I didn't know you better, I would start to worry. And he's like, um, talking about you know what happened with the king and he's like yeah it's a long story but if you don't mind me cutting to the happy ending he's dead and he's like uh you know killing our clients is bad for business you know <laughs> dead people don't really uh, don't really create repeat customers right so um he tells him it wasn't me this time it was the girl sasha the one that paid me to find uh, the one that you paid me to find so really he was working for this king guy but technically working for this friend of for his for this other friend right <clears throat> so i really like this world that they set up of mercenaries and he this was guy. A, he was a hired hand yeah and he's got his he's he knows what's going on right um but they're walking they're talking um he says you know sorry to sorry to tell you this but one one job to the next i got another job lined up for you and uh, they're doing this uh, as he's kind of unloading his backpack. And one of the things he pulls out of his backpack is toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. And he throws them in a box labeled toothbrushes. So in this place, there's a huge store and stockpile of just things from the old world that things maybe that they would may be need. Nude. And, and that's just a really great panel of, of world building there. You know we're in this post-apocalyptic setting. But things that you don't think would be of value now in our real world yeah. would be a very big value in a post a lot like good luck finding a toothbrush in yeah. uh, the post-apocalypse yeah so uh moving forward though he tells uh the guy or nolan our main hero that he's got a, a meeting at a warehouse quiet warehouse to talk to a client about moving some people uh across uh some borders or Do you getting feel some like people. we've had like a huge influx of post-apocalyptic comic books lately 
I think post-apocalyptic everything is kind of a thing, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's the Fallout video games, there's uh, Walking Dead is post-apocalyptic, yep. um, there's steampunk stuff, any, Mad Max is Any zombie book really zombie, is. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, I don't think we're overrun with post-apocalyptic. I think it's just easy to create because yeah. you can do so much with it. You could start so with that stories. barren, that... Um, certain trope and then go anywhere with it yeah because i mean there's so many post-apocalyptic books i don't think post-apocalyptic is a theme i think it's more of just a setting at this point okay because you know what i mean like there's a book that's actually called wasteland yep that uh, is a really yeah great read and uh that's a different post-apocalyptic book but is it a post-apocalyptic book yes it is we think it's the setting it's in that book we think it is i mean they reference different places but as you never truly know where you're at. No, because you suspect you're in the United States, but yeah. it's so far in the future from what we have now that everything's different. Yeah. You know, settings and and, and there's way more desert. My question is, do you know if that series is ever going to come back? No, I don't think so. God, it just it stopped, and I was yeah. so bummed because it was good. It was really good. And I, I just don't think um, – yeah, I don't think we're overwhelmed with it. I think post-apocalyptic is just, it's more of a setting than it is a theme. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, there's just so much you can do. And this book is just, it's different than other ones, you know? Right, yeah. And there's so many different flavors you can do with it. And that's what I love about it. And yep. I think that's why we consistently get it. Yeah. Is because it's something that writers can build from and build a world upon mm-hmm. and just have it be the setting. But the specifics have changed, you know? Yeah. So, uh uh, after we had that talk, though, he's telling him that he has a meeting at this warehouse. Uh, this next frame and next part of our story uh, is really great. It opens up with an arrow thunking through an orc's head. So we have orcs in this world. It's, it's uh, a fair, uh, more like a Dungeons and Dragons mystical type of theme, you know. There's fantasy here. Which I wasn't expecting because... Right. Well, it, we had dragons earlier, but we never really saw them. They're just out in no, the distance, but, little dotted. You know, but to have... Something that we recognize, a city scene, and then all of a sudden an orc yeah. or a goblin or whatever, that's like, wait, what What happened? Yeah, and I love it, though. It's It scratches that uh, fantasy uh, fan that I have. You know, there's always that fantasy genre and RPG role-playing genre that I love. Yeah. D&D and uh, Baldur's Gate, Pillars of Eternity. Yes. You know, those are games, uh, but... I always want. I always gravitate gra- uh, gravitate back to them because they're just such great storytelling devices. Yeah, I mean, if you missed the episodes about how much I love the Legend of Zelda series, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, an orc takes an arrow through the eye, and then uh, we're looking at this Michonne kind of looking character. She does look like Michonne from The Walking Dead for sure, uh, b- but with a bow and arrow paint across her face. Uh, she's she's telling her group that she's with, "Don't waste ammo. Just wait for a clear shot." One of the group members says, one of them has a gun when they start using guns. Uh, so that's kind of funny. But they're defending themselves against a little orc or raid attack. Mm-hmm. Um, action, action, action. You know, she's shooting orcs down with a bow. Uh, one of the big barbarian-type looking orcs is running at her, and she's bunking arrows into him like crazy. And then a nice epic shot of the, the giant orc leaping in the air. She's aiming. And then one final uh, arrow through the eyeball puts him down. Which, deservedly so. Uh, but that was just a great little scene and a little expert or excerpt for this uh, for this story, just to move the story along. We know that there's groups out in Chicago, and we know that they're trying to survive against these minions. 
Mm -hmm. um, the next panel, though. I love this panel, this top panel on that page. Yeah. It It's that cityscape in the sky with the hole in it. Yeah. But um, with a red sky background, so it has an ominous feel to it. Well, that's a, the great use of color here. Um, mm -hmm. We go from this panel to this next panel, and we know we're in a different setting. We know we're with a different character. We know we're, you know what I mean? As a reader, it's helpful because this is light and vibrant, and you know that mm, we're, lots we're of looking. Yeah, we're looking at softer colors, and we're, we know we're looking at a potentially good character. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a like a a good character or a main character. Now we're looking at somebody who's evil. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who teaches color theory, um, to me that's a great way of showing the difference because a lot of comics they have a little stamp at the top that yep. says, you know, New York City two days later or whatever you know yeah uh but this definitely uses color to change the feeling of the story change the mood yeah yeah and, and no words are needed you know you know what you're looking at is ominous and mm -hmm. evil um but yeah the first panel is that giant cityscape in the in the sky whether we it's a it's a portal or a hole was remains to be seen but it's got this giant glowing thing in the middle of it which is awesome and then uh, we're looking at a throne room. Um, it is kind of funny, though. This is kind of like a little bit of this fantasy world mixed with the world that we're in of Chicago. There's all these, like, amps in the back of this throne room, like guitar amps. Yeah. It's like, so it's kind of funny. You know, we're in this fantasy setting, but there's things from the real world in it. Um, the next shot, we're in this long hallway um, with large arches, archways, with a shadowy figure walking down it. He's got David Bowie eyes, two different color eyes, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then he's in this room with somebody on kneeling on his knees. He's reciting these uh, weird ancient passages. He says, ancient of days, elude, uh, eyelids like the scales of morning, uh, dweller between the worlds, the unmaker, open my eyes to the, next, the world of the next and accept this sacrifice. And he sacrifices this person uh, in the middle of this, this room. And then as the blood flows out of this victim, it starts making shapes on the ground and talking to this evil character. That reminds me of um, the Minotaur comic book. That a little bit. Kill the Minotaur, where the the blood helps right. the, the maze Reacting itself. to the maze. Yeah, the maze yeah. kind of feeds off of it. It's alive. Yeah. So, yeah, we get a sense that this room is kind of alive, and um, it's definitely a religious room of some sort. Uh, but he's talking to this ancient being about seeking power and uh, gaining access to the world of the next um this being however is telling him he's not worthy now at this point he's not uh, he has not met his, its requirements to move on to this next world sure. and it tells him that it, it's going to give him this meager offering of uh, eternal life so this guy must have to sacrifice things to this deity uh to live eternally and um from the sacrifice victim comes this kind of black mist that goes into this evil character. And then finally it ends with, serve me and you shall never know death. And he says, I live to serve you in all things. So from that, we know this dude is not cool. So <laughs> well, you, you can tell because, again, color. Yeah. The word balloons um, are black. Are black with white type as yeah. opposed to white with black type, you know. And we also know this isn't a voice that's coming from us. It's not coming from anything that's um, from our world. Oh, it's yeah. a great way to use uh, ethereally or, you know, a... a uh, supernatural. Yeah, spiritual. supernatural voice or just a, 
a voice that comes from somewhere, but just not yeah. anywhere in particular. So, right. yeah, it's really cool. I like that. And then uh, back to our hero. Um, they've come to the derelict warehouse where he's supposed to meet this, this contact. That's all he really knows. Uh, this Michonne-esque character is there. And um, she says, uh, he starts, he says, I'll give you credit. You picked a pretty isolated place to meet, miss. Uh, and she goes, Molly. And we tend to, we tend to be a bit overcautious with good reason. Um, so she talks to him further about what she needs from him. She just gets right to the point, too. She says, we need someone to take us west to Kansas City. Uh, we hear you're a man who can be trusted and a man can get who can get things done. He's like, uh, she says, I've got two people with me, but I also have two other people that are going to travel with us. And um, he asks further, he's like, well, I got to know who I'm taking. I can't just be taking people who are going to be fodder to this land that we are in. You know? Yeah, for sure. And she says, well, they're scientists, but I can vouch for them. They've been through a lot of shit. And he's like, scientists, I think I'm going to need to hear a, hear a few more details. My obvious curiosity, not, uh, notwithstanding, there remains, uh, there remains the fact that scientists aren't generally rugged, outdoorsy type people. So, <laughs> so he's a little skeptical. I mean, deservedly so. Again, they're scientists in this crazy world they live in. Uh, she keeps going down, letting him know that they're good people. Um, if you don't want the job, then we'll find somebody else. And uh, she says, "How about you? How about this? You meet us in the next place. You meet my people. And if you don't like them, you don't have to take the job." He says, fair enough, I'll meet you in a few days and we can check out, you know, who else we're taking. Right. Um, this next part is great. Uh, the Molly and her accomplice, they leave the warehouse, leaving Nolan, our main hero, to talk and, kind of talking to himself. Uh, but he says, okay, Rook, all clear. And this figure drops from the ceiling uh, that's wearing this really cool, like, almost owl-looking mask and a cloak. And she's got boots on. Uh, it looks, now I say she. Uh, but I think it's female just because of the way that she's drawn and or the way that it's drawn. The shoulders are the shoulders are slanted. Yep. Uh, she's very narrow looking. And then the legs, you know, that, she looks like she's wearing kind of leggings. For sure. So. So, yeah, it, I assume it, it would probably be a female. But um, this is a contact that was sent from his buddy to go with him to check it out. So he's that, never really alone, which is kind of a cool. That mask reminds me of those old. um um, plague masks, right? Yeah. The bird like doctor. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's a great line here though. This is another, um, cool piece of world building that know that we're in, you know, our world, Chicago. He goes, thanks for the backup Batman. So <laughs> he's like, go ahead, go ahead and follow and make sure they don't have any nasty secrets. Uh, they certainly seem legit. So let's do our due diligence to find out more. It's a huge Batman fan. I <laughs> love that reference. Yeah. Just a good, you know, little quip to know that we're in the world that we live in kind of thing. But, right. But yep. not, um, moving on, uh, the comic, like I said, moves at a really great pace, but changes ever so often. Our next panel opens up with three orcs or goblins or whatever these creatures are running. Uh, they're running down this, uh, spillway. And then, uh, the next frame is a character with a skull mask and horns coming off it. And we don't know if they're chasing him or he's chasing them. Uh, the orcs are still running, splashing of the feet. Uh, faster it's gaining on us. That's how we figure out that they're being chased by this thing. Did you ever see Masters of the Universe, the 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 real the Dolph live Lundgren action one? with Dolph Lundgren? I I love I it. I love it. I love it. Yep. How are high fiving right now? I love that movie. Uh, well, anyway, this, guilty pleasure. This skull mask reminds me of Skeletor's Skeletor. Skeletor in that movie. Fun. Oh, man, we're gonna get off tangent on that yeah. one. 
I love that movie, though. You like, know, Dolph Lundgren is made fun of quite a bit, but in that movie, he fits the He-Man role. man. Well, yeah, what what else do you want? Yeah, like, he, he fits He-Man, I think, yeah, perfectly. 100%. The only thing I didn't like about the movie, no Battle Cat. No, but that's just a product of the times. Like, it was, what, when was it, 80, yeah. 86? Yeah. 84? Somewhere like in there. But, um, yeah, and, and this is also true. That they came from Eternia. And yeah, so, into our world. Yeah, and so... Battle Cat don't belong. Well, he couldn't make <laughs> it through the portal, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But fun fact about that movie, um, that movie almost didn't get completed. Really? Yeah. Uh, the end of the film where he confronts Skeletor, and Skeletor is in that gold armor, and then yep. um, they battle, and it's just him and Skeletor. And he breaks the staff, and Skeletor is back to normal. Yeah, um, but there's a reason they shot it with that lighting. Oh, uh, you know, it's shot with like that one red light. Yep. And they're kind of battling with one light. And it's just silhouettes. Yep. Uh, what happened was the director showed up on set and Dolph showed up and um, Frank. Uh, Frank Langley or something. Yeah, yep. Uh, Frank Langella or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He showed up. So it was hit those three and none of the crew showed up because the film had been scrapped from the studio. And no one knew that it, those three didn't know it got scrapped? He didn't. No one told him. So, no one told the director and the two main characters. Yeah, so what the? so the crew uh, didn't show up, and he had to run. He had did it all by himself, like running a camera and like grabbed a few people to like run the, the one light. It's because they had no extras or anything. Wow. So they had to run, and he's like, "I'm gonna shoot this fucking thing, and I'm doing it. Like we're so close to finishing this, and he's like, "I'm doing it. I'm shooting it, and we're cutting it, and we're putting it to press." Yeah. So they shot that scene just them. By themselves. So I'm guessing then, in the interim, then they got greenlit again because the end of the movie was back to the normal feel of it, right? You know, so so yeah, that whole scene uh, they were pretty much done with everything else, just that. So none of nobody showed up because everybody thought the movie was scrapped. So uh, that's the fun little fun fact about that film. Do you know how what um, transpired to get it released? Uh, just that. It was already done. Like, you know, he pushed to have it. They shot that scene. It worked out. The uh, film, the company uh, had already sunk so much money into it. Yeah. They were like, well, Fine. you shot it. Fuck it. We'll release it and we'll see what kind of money we can make with it. So well, I, it's I a movie that's hated, but I, I really like I it. I love it. I don't remember whether, because I was, it's so I was, bad, a, it's I was a little kid, so I don't remember whether it was popular at the time. It, it, it gained a cult following. Yeah. It's still one of those movies like, you like I like yeah. just because it's cheesy and it's it's part of the t- it's a product S- of the time. Some of it's cheesy, but you know, like the some of the dialogue is and things like that. But it has Courtney, to be. It's Courtney best. Cox pre Friends yeah. is in it. <laughs> well, and I also like the real life adaptations of the characters from the show. You mm-hmm. know, like because it's hard to do a cartoon live action into a film yeah. especially when you're trying to literally do it like they did i think okay it's really tough imagine this peter jackson yeah takes on masters of the universe and right. makes it the movie set in eternia Dumb. god that would be awesome that would be really good or uh, even like Guillermo del Toro, he's got great creature design. Oh man, Pan's he Labyrinth would, was yeah. awesome. He would do really good. I think he might be a little too dark just because of his tones in films. Yeah, are always lean towards dark. Yeah. Whereas Peter Jackson with doing Lord of the Rings deals with a lot of bright colors, things like that. Yeah, I think he would do a good job. I think he would too. I think I, it would be awesome. Who knows though? Let's uh, let's send well, him yeah. a text. 
Talk to get on Dolph Lundgren's Instagram. And be like Dolph. Yeah, he, <laughs> you know, he he might he, he might be the kind of guy that would do it. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys know this, but I was also the Punisher. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I've actually never seen that from the '80s. Uh, it was good. Was it? Yeah, I worth, watched worth, it. Worth watching. Yeah, uh, again, not not super, but and then that was the first Punisher movie, and there's been right. like four more. <laughs> yeah, all reboots. None of them are sequels. No, right? never. But yeah, Master of the Universe. It's a good flick. Anyway, I'm, yeah. This mask, this skull mask, reminds me of um, Skeletor's face. Yes. So these orcs are running away from this person in this Skeletor-esque mask. They said, faster, it's gaining on us. And then uh, they come out of the spillway. And then it's the beast that killed Slow, uh, slow Eye and White Claw. It, it, ha- it knows no mercy, is what one of the orcs says as, as this creature slashes him in the back with this giant axe. And I love this next panel. Mm-hmm. He drops the axe that he just killed that orc with, and he hucks his shotgun that has this giant, like, bayonet knife attached to it, like, whips it, and it goes straight through this orc. So it's such a cool weapon, because he could have shot him, yeah, but he threw it. Just throws (laughs) it instead. Throws it like a goddamn battle axe. and a spear. (laughs) It eviscerates this orc, and then uh, they're all dead. He grabs uh, the shotgun, pulls it back, back through the orc and blows its head off with the, the shotgun that's attached to this crazy sword thing. Uh, and he starts singing, uh, I'm a fool to do your dirty work. <laughs> so and it's just funny. Uh, the character does take his mask off. He is human. Uh, however, when you come a little closer to his eyes and the artwork, yeah, they're very dark. So I don't know if he maybe has some mystical powers because uh, there's a next panel that kind of makes me think he might have some sort of uh, power that's imbued in him. Um, right before he leaves, though, after he's killed these orcs, he does take a trophy. He cuts off one of the orcs' tusks and uh, whistles his way down the road, singing, I'm a fool to do your dirty work. So that's a really cool intro to whoever this character is. We know nothing about him. Yeah. We just know he's an utter badass. Yeah. Uh, next scene, jumping again, uh, we're with our main character, Nolan. He's looking at his arm. Uh, his arm is all black. So now we know how he stopped that machete in the beginning. His arm is... Is either metal or he's got some sort of power or something. And he's looking at this photo, and this photo is of him dressed in all military gear with three other companions that they look like they all know each other. They're very chummy. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at the photo, and he's looking back at his hand. And then all of a sudden, uh, his arm starts to ignite and starts to kind of bleed into the rest of himself, and he's, he's turning into this creature, this demon uh, and, and he falls to the floor in a very American horror, uh, or uh, American werewolf in Paris, uh, or American werewolf in London, excuse me. Um, and, you know, he's transforming into this demon. Then he wakes up. And, Rah! You know, it was a bad dream. And of course, we're left with him staring at his hand again. So he's got some sort of crazy power that's in him that right. he's scared of, and we don't really know more about. So something demonic is inside of him. Yeah, for sure. And the scene. Um, where it's taken over his whole body. Mm-hmm. It reminds me in the Spawn movie when Spawn doesn't have, or even in Spawn comics, when he do, his uniform isn't covering his face. Right, when he gets, he gets he's all muscle. Very Hellraiser. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, just a really great foreshadowing. And, you know, the last shot is of his eye with the, uh, uh, if you look close enough, there's like a little red red tinge in his eye. So he's looking at the kind of his hand and there's a little reflection of his hand. So. That's really cool, and that's the end of the book. I mean, we're left with 
Lots of questions. Well, the, was this an oversized issue? Because there was a lot that went on. I don't think it's an oversized issue. I there's think just I no just, ads. <laughs> there's just no ads, and um, everything is told really well mm -hmm. in like three or four page panels, and yep. you don't, you're not really left with any questions about who's talking, who is this person. Right. You know, we're left with this guy's evil, this guy's badass. Right. Our main character's cool, and he has a job. That's it. You know what I mean? Like right. that, and then ready for issue two. Like I'm super ready. Um, Heads up on this one, though. Again, it's The Realm from Issue Comics. From Image. From Image. Uh, yeah, it's hard to get a hold of. You know, I might put it on my pull list, so hopefully I can just get one put right in my box at the store. Um, but eBay prices are nuts on this book right now. Are they? They're about $18, $20. Seriously, it just came out like three days ago. Yeah. That's for both cover A and cover B. I have cover B here, which is Tony Moore. Uh, Tony Moore. It does uh, Walking Dead. He did Walking Dead until he made a bad choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I but, agree. Uh, he he walked too soon. Yes, screw that one up. I'm sure he's really kicking himself. But he's actually uh, probably one of the most talented artists in terms of detail. He draws really great detail. Uh, so I liked this cover. It features that badass character do with you, the nice uh, shotgun. Do you remember Rachel Rising? Yes, he did that. Yeah, too. he did that one. Yeah, yep. Um, and then so while you were talking, I. I don't know if you knew what I was doing. Did you order sync? No, I was trying to. Oh, okay. And so I went to my normal uh, spot where I order comics online if I can't find them in stores. Mm -hmm. And it says they have zero in stock. Comics Tribe. Uh, Go eBay. Okay, I will do that. Let's do it. I mean, I, I hate to this send you there. This is great but radio. I know, right? I hate to send you there, but eBay is just a good place to find stuff like that. Okay. So, well, sync issue number one. Okay. I'm, Search it. While Tyler's doing that, I will probably bust into Sacred Creatures so yep. that he can do that. I've not... read Sacred Creatures as well, so yeah. I'll be able to chime right in. Yeah. Uh, if you listened to our show before, you know we freaking love Sacred Creatures. Uh, it's another image book, but we always want to talk about it just because of how astoundingly good it does and how astoundingly good it is. Uh, so grab this book if you can. They're only on issue number three. Uh, high print runs because it is an, ish an image book, and um, I think anybody could really get, a get on board on this book. All right. Um, there is someone selling one of copies, your same, same copy, yeah, uh, for thirty five dollars, mm -hmm. and then there's another one for fifteen ninety nine, mm -hmm. and those are the only two that I see. Yeah, that's gonna be another one. That's I didn't mention it because I didn't want to sticker shock people on the sync one, uh, but yeah, that really doesn't surprise me with how good it was, and then also um, how low I think the print run is. Yeah, wow. So. If I want to, maybe I'll get the $15 one. I don't know. Maybe. Either if that. I, it's I, a, first, it's a good investment. Um, if anything happens later, uh, I don't, you're not going to get a second printing of this. I mean, it's Comics Tribe. Who, who are Comics Tribe? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, they're not going to do a second printing. So. Yeah. Um, Realm might. with uh, Realm, I would think, would definitely go to a second printing. Right. Um, especially with the buzz it's getting and how cool it is. And it's a real, just a really cool, like almost D and D fantasy type book. Right. Mixed with our, uh, just a, a genre bender. I really love genre bending books. Yeah. And they did a great job. So yeah, that one should definitely go a second, second printing. If I were image, I'd be second printing it right now. Would you? Oh yeah. I mean, it's going to sell the, the first one sold out or the first printing sold out in literal minutes that I was at the comic shop. Yeah. Trying to get one. I mean, it was a matter of 10 minutes. I looked at the wall. I luckily grabbed a copy, 
and I turned around to talk to somebody and I turned back and they were all gone. And there yeah. was there was a good 10, 15 copies there. Yeah. And they were gone. And I think one guy who was standing next to me had like three. So I have um, eBay up here and there's many copies being sold. Fifteen ninety nine, twelve ninety nine, eleven twenty five, eighteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I mean lowest I'm seeing is twelve dollars. Yep. For a $3.99 count. Someone here says they've got uh, cover B, and they say it's a limited 500 print run, and they're selling it for $122.50. Let me take a look at that one. I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. But. Um, Elite Comics Store variant. So the one on the right is the Elite Comics Store variant. That one does probably have a 500 print run. The Tony Moore, though, it does not. is not. Okay. He's got that's cover B and then this other. So you get both. Okay. Yeah, he's basically package dealing it. Wow, it's nuts. Well, yeah, I mean because like I now said, now you know why I buy those gold foils. You, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I which st- I did pick store up. Store opened at ten. I did pick up a Kingsman gold foil. I know that was a good book. Yeah. I oh store opened at ten. I got here seven hours later. You would not <laughs> think that seven hours in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yeah, exactly, and you know. Uh, how so many people in our little uh, middle of nowhere area have got their finger on what's hot, like the minute it comes out. Why do you think I do my research on Sunday nights? I know. I, <laughs> so that I, way I have just blown away. I have like two or three days to mull it over on what I want to get. And then when I get to the shop, I know what I'm searching for and I know the covers and that way i don't have to have a mental list of the titles right. i just know what the covers look like and then i'm uh, like bam 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 yes want it want it want it. yeah there's many times where i've put stuff back have i left money on the table in terms of like not getting a book and then realizing it was a big book i should have got sure yeah but that's the chase man it's just yeah. fun see i i don't do a lot of research i do check diamond distribution though just to see what they are putting out to most stores. Yeah. And then I, um, you know, kind of make my list going, that looks cool. That looks cool. Cause they, they show little, uh, screenshots. Previews, of, yeah. yeah. And then that's kind of how I did. And then when I get here, I'm like, Oh yeah, I saw that. It's very casual for yeah. me. I walk in, browse the wall, hear what you have, you know, you're uh, saying is good. And then go from there. That's about all I do. And then, uh, I'm starting well, like to, I said, after I'm the starting show to ends... realize that I need, uh, to be much more, on the ball if yeah. I'm going to uh, co-host a comic show. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. I mean, and on the flip side of that, I should be a little bit more uh, on the ball on reading Marvel and DC stuff, but I just, I don't, I just can't bring myself to do it sometimes. Like, Oh, really? Well, that, there's just so, so many, you, there's you, so much Marvel direct out there that's just bullshit. Yeah. I just can't waste my money on like, Four ninety nine Spider Man comics. Not that they're bad. It's just it's five dollars, man. I know. And we talked about this before. You know, I'm just I'm on the verge of just stop with the monthly buying of those titles. Yeah. But it's so hard. Because and I I've have invest- been, I have come to that point. I, I have, just get indies now. I have invested so much time into the stories. I hear you. Um, you know, it's like trying to look here. Uh, Flash, right? Flash Rebirth, thirty issues. I've been in on it. Uh, Detective. Uh, same thing, you know. This has been two and a half years of the DC stuff. Now Marvel. I hear you, man. You know, flat. I wish I could tell you something different, but 
you ask me about Flash on, you know, if you ask me about Flash Rebirth, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just don't care. I'm sorry. Yeah. I love the Flash. He's like my favorite he's DC. A, he's a cool hero. He's one, he's my favorite DC hero. And I, and I have pretty much a full run of new 52 stuff. But when Rebirth came around and I read the first issue or two, I was like, I don't care. I, I'm so far out of this anymore that this is nothing original and nothing exciting for me to read. And then, you know, it's that polarizing effect. You know, if I read Flash issue 30, how do I feel? Meh. Right. But then I read a comic like Sync, number one. Yep. And I'm damn disgusted and I'm terrified and I come to the end and I'm like, I want more. Yeah. That's the feeling that uh, these these indie comics really create. And it's that feeling that's lost, you know, that love lost from DC and Marvel that don't you don't get from those books anymore. You don't get that shock. You don't get that originality. You don't get the visceral feeling that um, you should be getting from reading a book. So right. that's uh, the problem. Yeah. Again, just me. No, that's a personal no, no, story. No. That's not a that's not a endorsement of um, any comic shop or any anybody else's ideals. It's just a expression of me as a person, uh, how I feel. So I, that, that's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know what I like about most indies um, is that you can start if you're able to get in a store, grab the first issue of something, and you can run with it to the end. Whereas if you're going to start reading um, Spider Man. Granted, right now, in this volume, it's only up to 32 on Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. But we're also talking, all previous stories still are in canon. Yes. You know, and so we're talking about since 1963. It's almost exhausting. Right. You know? You know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's all I can say. You know? It's exhausting it, for me. For me, I love Spider-Man and Batman. So when I get an Amazing Spider-Man issue... And then at one point there was a clone. So then now that clone has his own comic book. So I'm like, well, I got to figure out what's going on with that. You, you, you gots to know, uh, but that's then, how they get you. And then they have uh, a Spider-Man from another universe. Uh -huh. So he's got his own title. Well, I got to oh, yeah. figure out what's going on with Miles, right? Because he's the black Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. And so that's how they get you. I know. I have I have overcome that that will, you know, it was a it was a tough decision. Just just because just stop. You know, because I see people buying it. I see people reading it. I see people talking about it. Yeah. And I just had to go, what's more important? You know, like, what do I want to feel when I open a book? Yeah. And I want to feel the way Sync makes me feel. And I want to feel the way that Realm makes me feel. And I want to feel the way that Rat Queens makes me feel. I want to laugh, you know. Uh, I still read Daredevil just because he's my my favorite um, Marvel. Well, and that series right now is good. Yeah, absolutely. And I will give credit where credit's due. I'll read your shit as long as you write good shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. I'm uh, I'm scooping what you're pooping. Yeah, and um, another uh, with the Batman stuff. Right now, Dark Knight's Metal number two. Um, for me, the first one was kind of weird and confusing, and second one hit hit its second, course. Well, for me, it did. I was just like, okay, cool. I want to I want to see what the rest of it's like. Yeah. Uh. So. No, I hear you. All right, Sacred Creatures. Yeah, we hey. both read it. Hey, we're back. This is the first issue we both read today. Yeah. Um, I love it. Right in the intro pages, it gives you the cast of Nephilims. Yes. Um, who the Guardian is, and then the humans that are involved. And we also have a recap. Like, yes. This is this is how comics perfect. should it's be made. Yes, it's perfect for, um, 
jumping on. Or jumping on, or just being a fan of books, or just anything. This is how comics should be made. Give us a recap. Give us a cast. True. Tell us who people are. Remind us of the story. You know? you know, this is issue three, so I should remember. But I have to remember, since a month ago, I have read over a hundred different comics. Yeah, and like that's the thing that comics, uh, comic creators, comic companies, comic everything needs to realize. Yeah, is that if you are into comics, or if people are into comics, and the people reading your comics, yeah, they're not just reading your books. Right. They're reading everything. Like, yep. You know, we have what we call the Wednesday Warriors. You yep. know, the people who show up to the shop at nine a.m. They're waiting for the doors to open. They read everything. Do you think that they're going to remember what happened in Spider-Man issue number 23 versus right. Spawn issue number... You know what I mean? Yeah. They've, they read everything. So this is a great way to get that your mind, your brain already uh, back in gear of... Okay, sacred creatures. Nephilim. Humans. Guardian. I remember the last issue. She died. Awesome. Let's yes, go. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Because if without that, I'm like... They're jumping into the story. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. And oh, then yeah, yeah, yeah. You and could I, be looking oh, through the book and go, hey, I remember that character, but what the fuck is his Or name? I have to go pull out my long boxes, go, <laughs> you know, sit, find through the S's, pull the issue two out, look through it, and go, okay, yep, I'm, I'm back with it. Yeah. And so that means great. I have got so much on my plate that um, just a little recap is perfect. Yeah. And Sacred Creatures is nailing it. So uh, opening up Sacred Creatures, though. Uh, again, another staple that needs to be in the comic industry. Timestamps! Yay! We're three, in New York City three, three years ago. That's why I brought that up <laughs> earlier. That the, the other one didn't have a timestamp, but it definitely showed that we had changed locations and characters. Right? Settings, yes. Yep. But th this was in my head because I read that today. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, yay, timestamps. Yeah. So I know where we're at. Uh, we're open at like a, co a coffee shop, I think? Or is this Who like a knows? party? I mean, it looks like they're a college campus, but it's not. It's a city setting. I don't know. This guy thinks that every girl he sees, he's in love. Yeah, it's and his great. friend is like, "What?" You know? Yeah. Um, uh, it is yeah. college because he says, "At least make sure she's not in any of our classes, okay?" I don't want to spend the rest of the semester avoiding her after you dump her, and she turns out to be a total bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's Josh from our, our main character from issues one and two. Yep, and he's talking to his friend, uh, college roommate. And then it's just funny because uh, they're bantering back and forth about these girls they see across the across the way, and he's going to go talk to them. And then Josh is reminding him of the girl, you know, that I thought you were with Stacy. And he's like, Tracy. He's like, Tracy, okay, I guess I, wasn't she perfect? She wasn't perfect? that perfect. Yeah, and then uh, he, he's this the standard womanizer. He's like, yeah, she was all right, but she wasn't that great in bed, you know. It's like, yeah. And then it's just like, he's a real dick. Yeah. Uh, but they're just talking back and forth. They're uh, roommates and friends, and he doesn't want to be roped into his stuff. And he's like, you know, yeah, all the relationships you get into, they look at me like I'm a dick just because I'm your roommate. Because like, I, yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the suave friend goes over to talk to her girl, and they kind of walk off and leaves uh, Josh alone with the other girl's friend, and they really hit it off. Yeah, I mean, and there's he, a there's a great kind of callback to the conversation they were having because he says, you know that feeling that you get when you look at somebody and you just you want to spend the rest of your life with them and you know? He's like, that's the feeling I get with uh, – it was funny because uh, – he, he, he went back with Stacy. He's like, with Stacy. He's like, I thought you said her name was Tracy. He's like, nah, Stacy. He's like, yeah. you literally just told me 30 <laughs> seconds ago her name was Tracy. So, he's, like, he's like, whatever. He's like, whatever. It's funny. Uh, but he gets that feeling as he looks at Julia. She's like, hey, I'm Julia, you know, and she's just this, this yeah. uh, movie moment. And it's great because, you know, because we've already been to the future, we know they're that, they're, that they're going to have a baby together. And yep. um, 
he's mystified. He's starstruck. You know, he's just like, oh, um, yeah. You know, he, she's like, are you okay? He's like, uh, I mean, I'm okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm Josh. You know, it's just that great movie moment of love. But then um, jump right after that page. I mean, we're left with a great happy moment. Yep. And then tear it all down in the next frame where uh, Josh Miller. Now, again, great timestamp. Um, they're in the car. Uh, he's with the uh, the priest. And he's one of the Nephilim, but he's... Yeah, Adrian. Yep. Adrian, uh, He's he saved Josh in their last issue from those crazy burning cats. And uh, they've kind of gotten down to business on figuring out this what's cast going page on. is great for guys like us who yeah, can't we're like, remember names. I flip back quick. I'm like, and you're like, before I got there, you're like, Adrian. Yes. And it uh, says, son of uh, Navelle. And we look and we know that Navelle is uh, one of the other. Um, this one. Oh, she's the one the, that got killed. Yep, she's the guardian that got killed. Yeah. Yes. So they're talking, though. Uh, last issue, Josh was like, like really pressing Adrian to take him and protect his girlfriend julia and like mm -hmm. they're having a baby so he's really pressing adrian to go to the hospital because yep. he's like dude if you haven't heard she's he goes, about it's to... right there stop yeah he's like if you haven't heard she's about to give birth and we can't go there because the cops are there and if the cops are looking for us the other nephilim are looking for us they know exactly what's going on um josh though being who he is wanting to go back to his girlfriend they hit a red light and he books it. He bolts out the door at the out the car. He's like, "No fucking way, I'm going with you." You know, I'm getting to her. And then, of course, you know, he bolts. Yep, he's bolting. He runs into the subway. And if you know New York City, there's no way that Adrian's going to catch up to him with how many people are and, in the subway and not knowing which line he got on and which yeah. train. And and I love it. He, you know, he knew he probably knows he could chase him, but it would be pointless. He just screams at him, Josh. And then there's just this scene of him just going, "Ah." Like, I yes. got away, damn it. Like, yep. I'll get him later. Like, um, next, though, great timestamp. Or just not a timestamp, but location Where? stamp. Yeah, uh, they're at the hospital. Yes, they're at the Hill Hospital. Um, the bitch mother walks in. I call her bitch mother just because in this book, she's kind of a bitch. Um, she's, there. <laughs> she's there to see her daughter at the hospital. She's not really a bitch. She just cares for her daughter, and she's a and little she overbearing. she doesn't like Josh. Yeah, she's very overbearing, and she likes to control uh, Julia's life. Okay, is it just me, or does the bitch mom look remarkably like uh, Beatrice, a.k.a. the sloth? Um, she does. Yeah. And there's some things that she does in this book that make me wonder that if she doesn't have a little bit more vested interest in Josh yeah. and yeah. Uh, Julia and the baby. and like, But we'll get to that here. Yeah. Um, this book is really, really great. I, I would love to go through every single panel and tell you every single It'd be detail. Too much. But Honestly, you'd be listening to us on this book for one hour or two hours straight talking about how much detail and what everybody says. But um, give you the clip notes and we'll move to, past the story. Hey, um, we've been on this for an hour and 42 minutes. So far, this is our longest episode. Yeah. And we people, we are on our last issue, so uh, rest assured. But, you know, it is a long issue. Well, and that's the great thing about this book is how much detail they pack into the pages. Yes. And how much storytelling you get from the characters. And um, if you notice the word bubbles, they're not any bigger or smaller than your standard book, but the amount of words and volume of uh, characters used inside are packed in there. Yes. And that's what I love about this book. The narrative here is fabulous. So, um, but the mom shows up, she's looking for Julia. Uh, she gets there, talks to her. The police are interviewing her about Josh because Josh showed up on TV. Uh, they're all worried about him because he showed up on, uh, in the elevator cam with blood all smeared on him. He looked really crazy. That's because he was under the power of the Nephilim. Um, they're talking back and forth about 
what happened to Josh? What needs to be done? Um, she's talking about, don't worry about it. MIPD will figure it out. Um, you know, let's worry about the baby right now. Let's talk to the doctor. Doctor ushers in. Next page, we're at two years ago. So our right. first time jump was three years ago. Now we're at two years ago. So we're working our way down their relationship in yeah. years. Which yep. is great. So they've been together a year. Yep. Uh, the Julia and her mom are sitting at an outdoor cafe talking and and her mom is trying to set her up with someone else. She goes, "You know, I'm with Josh." Yeah, and the perfect thing is she's setting him. She's setting her up with a person that they've known forever. And she's like, um, "What was the person's name?" Uh, Tom Wilson. She's like, yep. "Do you know who moved back to town?" She's like, "If you say Tom Wilson, like, she's like, oh, how'd you know?" Facebook. She's like, "Facebook. We know each other." And she's like, "Oh, well, I so didn't you're know you still two were friends." Then. Yeah, I didn't know you two were still friends. She's like, uh, "A great." social if just you, if you consider liking somebody's food pictures a friendship then yes we're pretty close it's such a great just <laughs> you know social status line That's i mean awesome with the way that our you know social, uh, society and social friendships work nowadays um but yeah she's like the two of you would be great together and she's like mom you know he's gay right and he's like oh he is well i'll set him up with my receptionist that'll be great and he's like okay you don't need to be dabbling in my relationship his relationship or anybody's so yes uh Moving forward, though, they're there to she's there to meet Josh for the first time and yeah. dating for a year. So uh, this conversation is going splendidly. If yeah, I, she, if I must say. The so mom's myself. already trying to set her up with someone else. Yeah. When the, when she's going to meet Josh for the first and time, she actively knows that she's dating him. Yeah. Uh, but Josh comes running down the way. Uh, he's like, "Hey, sorry, I'm late. I was uh, you know checking on summer classes, seeing what I could do." And yeah. the mom is surprised for a second. Oh, summer classes? You know, what are you doing? And uh, he says he's changing his major to art history. And she. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Well, I promise you uh, that once you get your degree, I'll be the first in line for your guided tour you'll be giving at whatever museum you end up working at. <laughs> you know, this, this such ring, a backhanded compliment. This, re- this feels so um, familiar to me. Um, I um, decided to go back to school full time in in my 30s. And when I told my parents, hey, you know what, I'm going to go back in a, into fine arts. And they were like, OK, great. You know, like going to work around your work schedule and stuff like that and i said no i'm going full time there was an audible gasp on the phone from my mother it was like it was <laughs> and uh so you there she was like ah shit yeah and so so you really had a, a, a attachment to this scene <laughs> I, yeah i was like it's granted it's not art history that's no, no that's even a step worse for parents they're going what you want to make no money yeah 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 yeah. uh but then when i told my parents like i'm also getting an education degree they were like okay yeah Uh, my dad though he was like you're giving up um a job you're giving up um, retirement money you're giving up insurance and for what yeah what what are you you doing and then on top of that i picked the most expensive school in the state um, to go back to and yeah Anyway, luckily, my wife uh, has supported me for the last few years. So, um, yeah, but but just the scene itself of having to talk to my parents about, hey, guess what I'm going to do? You yeah. Know? Fucked up, man. Yeah. Make me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's messed up. But this this happens. This is true where, yeah. you, where this kid says what he's going to do and the adult is like, what? Yeah, that's not a good idea. You know, yeah, <laughs> yep. looking down on you, judging you. Um, but yeah, great characterization in this book. Uh, the characters feel so real. You know, everything yeah. in this book is so tangible, even though we're there, we're telling this very uh, mystical fantasy tale. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, after that, we're leaving that memory, and now we're at the hospital. Josh has shown up. He's ditched Adrian. Um, 
And then uh, shooting over to Adrian, though, on the Upper East Side, he's going to see one of the Nephilim some bitches, and uh, he's going up to the top floor, and he's looking for Lucius. Lucius is our main bad guy, main ne- Nephilim. Yep. And uh, he walks in the room, and there's this just kind of long-standing knowing of each other. Because yeah. Adrian doesn't say hi, really. He just says, Lucius. You know, like, they yeah. know each other. Yeah, and Lucius um, is one of the seven deadly sins. He's Envy. Yes. Um, and um, he starts off in great, true bad guy fashion. Doesn't even acknowledge Adrian's present. Just starts talking, monologuing, if you will. You know, 5,000 years. You know, that's how long I've waited for this day. And then they go back and forth talking about the events that have happened, uh, how Josh has killed uh, Adrian's mother, this queen kind of Nephilim, the guardian. Yeah, she, you know, was, she guardian. was murdered in our first issue. Yeah, and uh, she kept them all in check. Yeah, they kept. She kept these Im- immortal entities with so much power yeah. in check from not ripping each other apart and also ripping the world apart. Yeah, I mean with these, the powers. These guys have. are the personification of the deadly, the seven, seven deadly, deadly sins. sins. And so um, he's waited 5,000 years for this moment when um, when he would be. And he says, when a man has waited for as long as I have, do you think there's anything that could possibly be said to make him change his mind? Yeah. And so I think Envy is going to just wipe out human race if he can. I, I think he's just trying to make this world his kingdom now. He's tired of living this lie, you know, and living this uh, closed life. Yep. You know, it's the balancing act of living as an undying god but not being able to use your powers you know what i mean yep. like you're you're living this great life you know he's in this luxurious building and he probably owns it all yep. and has it all but can't do anything about it you know so that's why he removed her but uh there's a great scene uh, as they're talking you know uh adrian you know he's really pissed you know he's like you murdered my mom and then uh they talk further, and Adrian's talking about spilling blood of innocence and talking about uh, sacrificing lives of innocent people, and why would he do this? And he's like, uh, Lucius turns at him and just tit for tat, you know, innocent people? Like, seriously? He's yep. like, do you know what your mom is? Do you know what she's done? Yep. And then uh, we've moved to this really brilliant uh, two-prayed spread, and he goes on and on about uh, her exploits in history yeah. and uh, some of the greatest disasters were caused by her. He's like, I was there when she burned down Sodom and Gomorrah, Adrian. I saw her do it. Countless people turned into mountains of ash simply because she deemed them beyond redemption. He's like, in uh, Babel, I witnessed her slaughter Nimrod's entire army, one soldier at a time. There were thousands of them. And he just goes on and on with these horrible deeds that she's done uh, throughout uh, history and time. Okay, so then based on this... Um, I wasn't sure if we were supposed to be led to believe that she's God. Because in uh, Bible history, that's what God did. Or that she's God's... Um, messenger. Messenger or... Hand. Right hand or yeah. sword, you know. Yeah, sure. The, God's weapon. Right. You know. I think that's kind of, you know, that's the mystery that we're kind of left with here. But it's just, it's cool that we've got these cool, uh, or these... Uh, very giant moments in uh history of the world Mm -hmm. and this nephilim who adrian is revered as his mother and this saintly being uh, she's done some very unsaintly things well in um you know christian history nephilim are the sons of god is kind of how they um, say it children of angels kind of thing yeah and so 
you know, in the in the character page, she wasn't really listed under um, Nephilim. She was just on her own as Guardian. Guardian. So, you know, I'm not sure. And, you know, this book, uh, issues one, two, and three, none of them have mentioned the word God. No. And so... Which I like. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I mean, it's alluding to that's probably what's going on here, but, like, they don't have to hit you over head and say, God's children are here and they're going to do this. They more base it off of mythology than anything else. You know, yeah. There's a lot of mythology here, which I really love. Yeah. Um, it's not so religious, but more... Mythological. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's very uh, steeped in lore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he gets through talking, you know, about uh, her being not so innocent as he says and he says so do not talk to me about innocence because i've seen what that woman do what what that woman could and did do in the in time and then uh he goes back and forth again and then uh adrian wants to know more he's like well now what's part of your plan lucius what do you what do you want now and then um lucius just turns to him and again in great villain form just says i suppose we'll just find out together what's next you know uh lucius is getting a little tired of adrian's presence um, he moves towards the fireplace and starts po- stoking the fire with yep. uh, the fire poker and as they're still talking, heating it up. You yeah. Know, the fire poker is getting real hot. And then, um, there's, uh, something that us as the readers have not been introduced to. And this is new for everyone. Um, they start talking about this character named Lyle and Lyle is Adrian's brother who Adrian just found out about. He thought it was a secret. Lucius revealed that he knows who Lyle is and that, uh, You'll be able to see your brother again if you just simply walk away. You know, walk away. Why are you even here? So this is the first mention of Lyle, right? Yes. This is the first mention of him. We don't even know who At he is. At first I thought, did I miss something? No, no, no. And I'm like, yep. Hmm. Yeah, so we have no idea who this person is. This is kind of a, a secret uh, origin of uh, Adrian's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't know who that is. But Adrian is very stunned and shocked that he knows about it. And Lucius finally reveals to him, he says, simply, I want the dagger. I just want the dagger that killed your mother. And we can forget about this. You can go back to St. Petersburg or wherever it was to be with Lyle and uh, Josh, you know, the, this uh, person that you've been dealing with. He'll, he will hear from us no more. And yep. then um, uh, Adrian's pressing him. He's like, your word means nothing to me. He's like, you know, this is not going to end well. I'm, ge- I'm here to end it. And then Lucius turns around, thwacks him with the fire poker. Backhands him with yeah. his red hot poker. Yeah. And then starts beating on him. And then uh, finally, he comes to this great conclusion in the middle of our book here saying that uh, we're no longer immortal. You know, the guardian that was here to protect us from ripping each other apart is no longer here. There are things in this world that predate even us that can probably kill us if you give me enough time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's a great line or callback to that line saying, I'm older than you by 5,000 years, and I'm probably one of those things that predates you that can kill you. And if you give me enough time, I can figure out how to kill you with my bare hands. And he's like, shall we find out? And shall then, we do it? Yeah. And then, uh, uh, good hero fashion, of course, he kicks him, thud, oomph, you know, he runs away and he jumps out the window. And then uh, he says, you'll never win. And then uh, Lucius says, but Adrian, I already have. And then there's a great uh, scene of uh, Adrian cracking and falling and uh, ping-ponging. He jumps out the window. Yeah, ping-ponging between the buildings, uh, just getting wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> It, it it almost reminded me of um, Batman Begins when um, the first time when Bruce Christian Blake. Bale jumps from uh, 
a fire escape to the next one. He just, oh, he just falls and he's just like, that sucked. Kind of his first outing as Batman. His first real like. He didn't have a, he didn't have the full Batman costume. He had, you know, some gear on, a mask. Yeah, it's kind of his first venture out as Batman and he met his first real test. Yeah. Yeah, just didn't really get up. With the Scarecrow's gas. And and he just falls. Wasn't prepared. (laughs) No. Yeah. uh, And then, of course, uh, Adrian's laying there. Uh, being a Nephilim and being immortal, uh, he can still be hurt a little bit, and I'm sure he's just going to regenerate. But he's laying on the ground. He's like, "Oh, that's the last building I jump out of tonight," which is such so funny and lighthearted yeah. in this heavy moment. Because um, the whole night has we've only just had, been him running. <laughs> it's just been the whole three issues has been one evening, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we just had more callbacks. Uh, issue one dealt with a bigger timeline, just because it was kind of the um, uh, each Nephilim imposing their will on josh and then we kind of at the end of the issue got to the night of this murder so yeah so yes and no you know yep. we've dealt, dealt with one night but we've seen a lot more yeah um so yeah uh adrian jumped out the window left lucius and then uh we're brought back to another uh flashback flashback this is last september from the books now timestamp. so in a baby's timeline this is probably nine, nine months, months. yeah and uh, it's Josh and Julia arguing about what's going on and why uh, why he kind of left all of a sudden. And it's assuming because she told him that he was, uh, she told him that she was pregnant. That yep. Was. And then uh, they're talking about it, and he's like, she goes, you know, we don't have to go through with this. And he just instantly stops that and is like, no, what? what? No, we're doing this. I yep. want to do this. Yep. And then she starts crying. They start crying together. Uh, they're both saying it's going to be okay. I want to start a family with you. A really great moment with them. Um, you know what makes me mad about him, though? What's that? Is that, okay, um, I'm so sorry about last night. I hate that I had to leave for work in the middle of our conversation. Are you mad at me? And, like, that's such a, I, <laughs> doubt, I doubt that was the situation. When he heard the news, he was probably like, uh, uh, hey, I got to go to work. I got to go. And then left. And uh, we don't, Well, of course that happened. He's a man, baby. It's a man, baby. I, you know, can't, I can't imagine why he couldn't just say, I need to process this. I will talk to you tomorrow. Because that's just not how men work. You know that. I do that. I, I do too. But when I, but that's just not, you know, coming at it at a, at a, you know, a ground level basis. Yeah. That's what probably most men would do is make up an excuse to go away. Yeah. You know, I mean. Not too long ago. I, That's uh, a man move. My, it just happens. My wife and I got in an argument, and it was near bedtime, and I just said, hey, you know what, tonight, let's just go to sleep. And then, you know, we'll, we started taking care of it the next day. Yeah. Because otherwise, we'd be all night long, you know. Yeah. And I try not to let anything get to us before we go to bed, because I usually well, have bad it, dreams. It makes that horrible sleep. It does. It's guilty sleep. I usually have bad sleep, but. You know kind of what i like to do is just go okay we know we're okay we know that it's not relationship ending you know let, <laughs> let's just sleep on it yeah. let's go to sleep you know you know i love you and you know we'll take care of it tomorrow exactly yeah uh so yeah we're left with this little happy moment josh and uh, julia talking about their baby and that they want it yep and then um josh is now in the hospital Jumping to back to current time. Looking real Assassin Creed like with his hood up and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he is Assassin Creed ish. <laughs> but he's got his hood up. I like this panel though, um, because it, it shows uh it's weird it, uh, for an aesthetic wise, but storytelling wise it's awesome because you've got these giant white squares on the on the paper, but they're put there because it's highlighting Josh as the character and then this guy who he's looking at sleeping here is like 
clues for the I would have I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um not only from a design standpoint, it kind of it's kind of neat because it gives perspective um, perspective and and things like that, but also it leads you to where you're supposed to look. And cuz if I this had just been a panel of a scene of, without of a cafeteria squares. without these squares, I you wouldn't, wouldn't have even looked at it. I wouldn't even have known that one was Josh and this one is a random nurse guy. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't even know. And it's great storytelling and great panel uh, panel work and paneling work done by uh, this team. Yep. Um, but he sees the sleeping nurse, takes the opportunity to grab his scrubs, uh, throw them on, yeah. so he can kind of infiltrate the hospital and he, get to Julia. He didn't take the scrubs off the guy. The, no, no, no. The scrubs were uh, over the back of yeah. the chair, and the guy was sleeping head down on the table. Yeah, he didn't undress him or anything. <laughs> no. nothing, nothing crazy going on. Um, but yeah, he's working his way through the hospital now in disguise. Uh, comes to the... Uh, main desk of where Julia's supposed to be says, Hey, I got a, uh, this envelope to deliver to Julia Porter. What room is she in? And the lady's just like, Are you kidding me? She's in, you know, uh, Mater she's in maternity. maternity she's yeah. going to have a kid, and all these cops are here for her. So, uh, yeah, she's being yeah. Uh, guarded. She's like, Good luck getting through there. Yeah. And then um, he kind of slides his way through, just acting as part of the crowd, acting as a, uh, uh, a nurse. Um, he's, you know, pushing a uh, rack of towels, you know what I mean? He's blending in. He's doing his Assassin's Creed. Yep. And then uh, he does get past. He gets into the room. And uh, this is a great scene. You know, um, the mother is, uh, sees him. Julia sees him. They both say Josh at the same time. I love the distinction of Julia says Josh with an exclamation point, and the mom says Josh with a question mark. So yep. I just, I kind of like That's that. Nice. It's just, it's good characterization. It's good storytelling there. Um, and, and from a reader standpoint, it's great too if you notice it. Yeah. And then I love the first thing, though, that happens is she's going off on this crazy tangent. You know, I saw your picture on TV. I couldn't believe it was you. Uh, the police, they're looking for you. What's happening? What are you wearing? Those scrubs? And then, boom, kiss kissing her. her. I know. It. Right away, first thing he does, kiss her. He doesn't talk. He just. Good moment. He needs to have that connection again. Just almost to, as a character development, to show he's with her. Well, that and just and, solidify to himself that he's himself again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's been dicked around by these nephilim and like yeah influenced by it's, gro terribly. it's grounding him back to earth as he knows it i am josh you know and like and I'm this, not this is person. my and and secondly he hasn't seen her since all of this transpired really you know and yeah. during his connection the nephilim were using him he slept with somebody else oh he, he murdered somebody felt so bad didn't you i felt like you ass yeah. what the yeah, and I mean, oh, it was gut wrenching. It was uh -huh. just like, man, I, you're screwing up right now. Yep, you're you're. He slept with somebody else, and she's pregnant. I was like, you asshole. Yes. But then you're like, well, it really wasn't him. But good luck explaining that to her. Yeah. Ten years later, she can be like, so remember that time? Yeah. Like I told you, bitch, I was under the influence those, of Nephilim. Those <laughs> angels had me under their spell. Them damn Nephilim touched me. Anyway, uh, uh, so him giving this kiss is just almost as a way to. Get back to normal. Yes. You know, get back to the man he was and the man he used to be and the good character that we know. I mean, he um, just went right past the mom, went right to her, you know, cut her off from everything she was saying. Yeah. A good, uh, again, movie moment. I love movie moments in comics. Yep. And then um, he just tells her, I love you. I always will. You know that, right? And then he goes through, like, I'm sorry about how I acted that other morning. That was not me. I can't explain it, but you just have to believe me. Um and the mom is standing there doing saying nothing, which adds to her character because, yeah, she is a bitch, but I like how she's not interrupting this moment. And um, 
we're moving forward though and uh she says well josh whatever it is you can tell me he's like i will it's just i i we have to get you out of here you're not safe here and then um all of a sudden his head just starts to hurt his head starts to pound and uh she's like uh, the mom says what's wrong with you and he's just like my head feels like it's gonna split open and you notice then, it started feeling that way when she came closer to him right and that's weird um so it goes back to my theory that she is the character of um sloth sloth or I, she has maybe some connection with these nephilim could maybe. could be it's just the silver hair yeah. is really connecting me you know but he met that silver haired lady and didn't know know her yeah but she looked like shit you yeah. know what i mean she looked and like a bum and this silver haired lady is um put together looks like she's wealthy um she's you know you could be right i you could be right i, I and I, when she comes near him, all of a sudden he's got this splitting headache. And I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back your horse on that one. And so then, I and, like that. And then I didn't put that together. And then she's his head is splitting. She's like, "Come here, let's let's chat over here." You know? Yeah. Well, then the cops kind of hear the commotion because he's screaming with this splitting headache that's going on. And then um, the cops bust in, and uh, our main detective who met Josh in the first issue because he chased him out of the hotel. He's like, "That's him. Grab him." So they grab him, and then. Um, it is a little weird though, because you know this mom, you she might be playing both sides of the fence, but even her, you know, right here she says, "What are you doing? Let him go," you know. So it's weird. Uh, we don't know if she's a good character or bad character yet. And then um, in the corner, after they they're leading Josh out of the room and they're locking him down, we see our doctor and he's like, "Oh, what the hell's going on?" And then uh, we see Lust. I think that's Lust. Is that her name? Yeah, Lust. Mm-hmm. She's there talking to the doctor Mm -hmm. so she's using her little nephilim powers to get up into the room and see what's going on Uh, but she notices that that's josh and uh, he's in the building and then um, back into the hospital room uh julia is starting to have contractions she's starting to have this baby now yeah so uh at the end though uh we're left with a few other panels um lust is calling lucius or who we don't we don't know who who it is yet but she's whipping out her cell phone. She's like, you're not going to believe who just walked into this. Uh, our boy Josh is being hauled down by the hauled down to the police station. And then uh, we do know it's Lucius on the next page. Um, and he's like, excellent. Well, there's been a change of plans. I need you to do something for me. And she's like, listen, Lucius, uh, you know, we've been kind of under the, under the thumb of the Guardian forever. I've got my own plans. I don't need to do anything else for you. I've already done stuff for you. Yep. And he's like, listen, I need you to do one last thing for me. I want you to take that baby. Take that baby tonight. I think that I think the baby was the thing they were after the whole time. There's there's going to be a crazy reveal here. I mean, there's got to be. Because uh, in issue two, Adrian has already said uh, he's wondering how josh has been touched by each one of the nephilim and not died and why yeah so he's got a connection to this nephilim uh, and this world that we're not sure of and then also the guardian whispered something to him and there's going to be a huge crazy reveal and we're going to do an episode i think where we just talk about this book (laughs) yeah why why you know i want to know is why was josh picked to be the murderer of the guardian and gotta be a connection yeah gotta be something but that's the end of our issue. You know, we're left with Lucius's face. Just take that baby tonight. And that's yeah. just chilling. So It kind of is, yeah. The um, cover of the next comic, though, is quite sassy. Yeah. Sexy. So it's Lust sitting on a, uh, sitting on the, uh, 
hospital counter and everybody in the back is just making out and having sex. So yep. I, I do like that cover just because it's uh, evocative of the Lust character and her powers. And um, sexy cover, too. Yeah. Looks so cool. We both chose different covers for this issue. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy because yours tends to look like the comic as far as the what's going on. Mine has... Um, the more fantasy setting. It's a fantasy setting definitely from uh, kind of the Renaissance or Middle Ages, somewhere in there, um, but which had nothing to do with anything in the whole book. I think maybe later they will. Have so that's you, what I'm saying. Is this, is this cover... Have they all a, been this theme, though? I can't remember. Have they all been look, have they all looked like this? Oh, yes, they have. Um, the first one was like uh, Victorian era. They were wearing yeah. wigs and stuff. You yeah. know, like. So I'm just kind of wondering, when are these covers? I mean, they're, they're a prelude to something. But I think they're, if you want my fan theory on these, I yeah. think they're excerpts in time of the Nephilim over time. Oh. Because the first one was almost Victorian yeah. and uh, yep. libertine type era. Yeah. And then the second one, if I remember, I can't remember on the second one. See, I'd have I, to look it up. I'm, but the third one is medieval. Yeah. I think all three of mine I got the out of time uh, covers. Um, so I'll check. Yeah, you should look at those. But uh, I think it is the cast or the Nephilim, and that these are just almost portraits of them in, in different time periods. That would make sense. But yeah, um, the reason I really kind of gravitated towards cover A is um, I like Lucius or uh, Adrian as a character. He's it's got very, the hot poker on the cover. Yeah, and um, he's a cool Constantine-type character, and I like Constantine. Uh -huh. um, I don't like the way Constantine is played now because he's – not the character he was in Hellblazer, like the way that they play him in DC now. He's they're playing him. They've chopped his balls off in DC. Yeah, because it's for DC and not Vertigo. They've chopped his balls off. And, I don't like that. And they they're putting him in the DC universe. Yeah, just like I've said, I've hated. And um, and they're basing him more on the television show than than the source material than the source material. And um. Also guilty pleasure. Yeah, I'm a Keanu Reeves guy. Yeah, Constantine movie ain't that bad. No, it's not. It's actually a pretty good film. As I long watched... as you ignore the character's origin, where it actually came from, you just watch that movie as a sci-fi flick. Solid. I watched that before I was aware of Constantine as Me a too. character in Hellblazer. Me too. I had no idea what Con. I I had an idea that Constantine was a character. However, I had never read the comics. Right. So going into that movie and watching it. I liked it, and also me being a Keanu Reeves fan, uh, loved it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. Yeah, It's definitely a movie I watch. Um, but yeah, if you go into that movie with a better mindset of do not think about the comic and just watch it as a film, it's great. Um, just uh, kind of some recommendations for people. I had brought a few more comics in, not knowing if I wanted to talk about them or not. I left Redland at home. Redland? Because, that was issue number two, right? Yeah. Issue number one. These guys were locked in the police station, yeah. and they were being bombarded by witches. Right. Issue number two, completely different story. That's not cool. So <laughs> I and it, but it, same setting of Redlands, right? Oh, the okay. town. So I'm not sure what the hell's going on. If issue three is going to resolve them together, or if it's going to just if these are just snapshots of how weird this town is. I don't know. Problem is, I didn't bring it with because I don't even know how to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good though. Uh, it may yeah. be awesome when it gets going. When there's I more, just don't know. more uh, answers than questions. Um, 
I also brought um, American Gods uh, with me, Neil Gaiman. Um, I'm really impressed with this because it really is true to the source material. And so if you haven't read the book but are interested in it, it's a great way to uh, reading digest the comic, it. yeah, because you get it in in little snapshots where you like when you read the book. Sometimes it can be daunting. Neil Gaiman really can be heady when you're reading his novels. Well, yeah, and he you want to talk about mythology? I mean, that guy steeps himself in mythology, and which is what so. which is what American Gods is. It's every religious and god kind of worshipped figure you can think of. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But read the comic if you were interested in the book, but don't want to sit down for hours and read the book. Yeah, definitely. I got you. And Dead of Winter. Um, was it fun? Yeah, it was fun. It just is Santa it, evil. Uh, well, at the end of the book, uh, one of the girls goes, "And why the hell are you wearing a Santa suit?" <laughs> so that was asked, but it's not been resolved or anything like that. Cool. Uh, Kept the humor from the it's first. It's just one. a funny zombie book so far. Um, we haven't really got too far into anything. Um, I'll, I'll get this one. I really liked issue one. Yeah. And the board game is great. Yeah. Um, the problem for me when picking issues is I know we, I knew we'd have a lot to talk about. Yeah. So I grabbed my top four and Dead of Winter was a close fourth. I hear you. But Tied, but just not over the mark. Yeah. For I've noticed for us, um, either if either one of us have more than four issues, it's almost just too much to... Yeah, with how our much voices we talk, get tired, you know. With how much we talk and how much we get off on tangents. I mean, we're at almost two hours or even more. Oh, we're than at two hours and 12 minutes. Two like, hours. I had 100% battery and we started. We're at six. <laughs> we should wrap it up. But yeah, I mean, I only had three books and we talked for two hours. So, yep. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, any last thoughts? Jason Biggs, call the show. Dolph Lundgren, call the show. Uh, Keanu Reeves, call the show. I'll, I'll get a hold of them uh, through, yeah. through whatever um, thing I can. And then uh, if they respond, I'll give them the contact information and we can set up a time for them to call and we will uh, we'll uh, do it right through the uh, do a show. Thing. Yeah. That'd be sweet. We'll dude. have them online while we do this thing. And we're like, thanks, Jason. Yeah. Have a good one. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. He's Bye. one of those guys we're going to have to hang up. Yep. On. Say hi to mom. We're going to have to hang up on Jason Biggs. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, go see it. Uh, Stephen King's It in theaters was fantastic. Go yeah, see it. I'm going to see it tomorrow. Uh, listen right. to our podcast. Leave us a review. Uh, let okay. us know what you liked. Yeah, we're all set back up. I had to go to the website. Some, yep, got the website up. Um, I got our hosting problems resolved. I'll talk to you about right after this. I'll see how it's working on the Windows. Yeah. Um, Android. Android, yeah. Windows. Uh, well, it's, it's a microsoft product right whatever yeah. you, you apple guys know nothing I know. <laughs> hey you know what i have not had any problem with my apple device in this show no fuck you no i'm just kidding <laughs> fuck off <dude. laughs> all right guys i think we're gonna sign off we'll see you next week all right guys this is tyler for smash and grab comics this is jp all right later